get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And it's knocked off of his stick, and Jordan's got to recover it, and the Coyotes are going to oh, quickly come on, there. and he stripped it from him. In it's Maltzy, shoots, he scores. Not hard enough on the puck on the board battle. Clayton Keller is going to bring the puck over the line. Over to Barrett Hayton, he shoots it. Oh, oh it's there. It's behind him, and uh, oh, boy. Braden Shen knocks the net off. I the think puck it was, was in the crease. Phoenix player was shooting the puck, therefore we have a good goal. Yeah, back to Keller. To the corner, they center, back door, tapping available, Nemeth fans, three blues can't find it, and the Coyotes score. What it sounded like from Mullet Arena last night, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale, a 5-0 loss. BT, since January 1st, the Arizona Coyotes played 13 games prior to tonight. And in those 13 games, they scored the least amount of goals in the National Hockey League. They averaged 1.69 goals per game and had two victories. And you know what they did last night? They put a handful up on St. Louis. Alex, I hate it when the Blues run into a team that's just due. And that was obviously the case here with the Coyotes in front of 4,600. Which, by the way, is a little bit louder. They said the atmosphere was Uh going to be good there. It was solid. Boy, the Blues really let them take the crowd the crowd just took him out of it. Well, and there were um, so many St. Louis Blues fans there, and we there were a lot of Blues heard fans them cheering from. Well, they the needed start. something. There was almost something to cheer about. Falk thought Falk had a goal. Robert Thomas forgot goalie interference right. was a thing. Well, that was the the least bit of his problems during that game. You hope that Robert Thomas is going to end up being okay as they lost him to a lower body. We'll go with injury. He suffered um, the Yadier Molina oh syndrome. Oh my! I mean, that is you don't wish that upon anybody. So, in in all seriousness, you hope that Robert Thomas is going to be okay after this one. But this this Blues team's abysmal man yeah this is bad this is bad bad and as you put it uh, as we were talking before the show uh was it rock meat bottom rock meat bottom that was my post game show open last night the hell do you do with all right so so walk me through this because unfortunately uh for some reason i missed your post game coverage hey you know what understandable so instant reaction after a game like that is the blues have lost three in a row they've been outscored by a clip of 15 to 6 against in fairness a couple of juggernauts like the, the Coyotes and the Blackhawks, who are two of the worst teams. Buffalo's making a little push, but my God, 15 to 6, they're getting outscored. So what was your post-game reaction as soon as it happened? Alex Ferrario, we go to you in the studio. Boom. 
There it is. As Brad Underwood, so Brad Underwood so elegantly put it, there's no other way to discuss this team. And I want to play the piece of audio from Craig Berube, BT, because we can talk about rock meeting bottom as much as possible. Craig Berube has seen it all season long. And after postgame last night, this was the head coach. We, we, we got battled, out-battled in our net. <laughs> And we let a guy skate the puck through the neutral zone on a third goal. And everybody watched him. They shot it, and they beat us to the net, and they score a goal. That's bottom line. These are veteran guys, veteran players. Go back to the front end of that, T-Bone. Play that again. We, we, we got battled, out-battled at our net. <laughs> right there. Do you like that's yeah. the sarcastic it's the first laugh. thing that came out to me like like it's that one where you you have this conversation Alex you have kids T Bone you're a child like they and oh, you, you, you know are. like you hear that you tell your kids something so many times she's like I, I said take out the trap <laughs> Like you just you don't hear me? You don't hear the things that I'm saying when I'm speaking right to your face? You don't hear it? Like that is disgust coming out of the mouth of Craig Barubi. Like there are things when, when players do something wrong and you have something that pops up in a game and it's something that you know inherently, it's like, okay, let me jot that down because we better cover this. Like uh, that's on you as a coach. If, if it's something that you just haven't covered, right. you as a staff, like that's on you. If it is something that you have repeatedly beaten your team over the head with and it keeps coming and it keeps happening that's on them like that's on that group and in a game like that and it was tight first period yeah. right uh, it's nothing nothing they played strong in the first period i they thought were good. and by the way 0 for 3 on the power play again they actually had a lot more good chances on Nine the power shots. play than we've seen here recently none of that matters because your team ends <laughs> up true. imploding and the same things happen again and again but this is on the players, right? This mm-hmm. is to a man. I don't care that O'Reilly's hurt. I don't care that Tarasenko missed time. I do care about Robert Thomas getting hit in the biscuits. That's yep. uh, that's going to hurt Twig and Berries takes the Hope upper a he's bit. okay again. The, every team has ups and downs, man. Every team has adversity throughout a season. How tough are you? How much do you fight? This team is showing no fight, and it's very evident that it, and it has been throughout the season, mm-hmm. that Craig Berube is at an absolute loss of what to do with these It was a guys. breaking point, and that's why it felt like rock bottom hit for this Blues team last night. Not because you've allowed five goals to both the Sabres, Blackhawks, and the Arizona Coyotes. Not because you're in a three-game losing streak, because it's the same problems every single game. This is most likely the worst stretch of hockey we've seen from this Blues team, and the narrative is the same thing, BT. It's bad defense, Bad goaltending, can't score goals. But guess what? None of those mattered last night. Like, you didn't score any goals. Understandable. Tried hard. Tried hard. For a couple. Uh, not the whole game. Yeah, I'll second say that. period, maybe yeah, not so much. A couple of times. We could talk about defense being poor, and it was last night. Goaltending. You could blame it on Thomas Grice if you just look at the stat sheet. The problem last night is what Craig Peruby said. These are your veterans. The third goal that was scored last night, 13 into that third period. Nick Schmaltz wins a faceoff. He takes the puck up the gut of the ice. Clayton Keller takes a shot from the wing. And Nick Schmaltz is able to beat two defenders in front of the net to take a shot. He gets pushed away from the puck, and the net goes off, and it goes in the net. Five veteran players were on the ice that witnessed one player skate through the gut of the ice to the front of the crease and take a shot on goal. Fifth goal that was scored in that game. Two veteran players on the penalty kill chased the puck behind the net and left one man unmanned in front of the net to score that easy tap-in. It's not so much of, well, the schematics aren't correct with this team or they're playing man and they should be playing zone. No, it's you've got guys that are watching the puck go by them 
And that is the frustration from Craig Bruby. It's the same story every single night. The difference is you'll get a little bit of a peak where you went on a road trip and you won three of four and you're thinking, oh, damn, this team figured it out. Then you come home and you dip into it. And now it just feels like the confidence is gone. So we get a text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. You guys figure that out yet, the new text number? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's uh, 314. Tell me if I'm wrong, BT. Yeah. Here, 399-9646. Yeah, and once you put that in your phone, you're good to go. Never have to worry about it again. 101, ESPN, call it Ferrari. Voice to text. Hey, Siri, text BT. Yeah, whatever you want it to be, you do that. We get a text here that says, guys, March 3rd cannot get here fast enough. And March 3rd, obviously, trade deadline. But here's my question when it comes to, like, what is that really going to do for this team? Like, how much, maybe it's O'Reilly. We had that conversation yesterday. And again, if you haven't read the piece yet, and I know Jeremy Rutherford Mm -hmm. was in with Tim McKernan just a few minutes ago talking about O'Reilly, talking about the piece, talking about the Blues in general. O'Reilly wants to stay, trying to get conversations going about an extension. Certainly other teams are going to be calling. Well, but O'Reilly hasn't played good hockey this year anyhow. Like, like what is that What is that going to do if he goes or if Tarasenko goes? What are you really going to build? Is that going to be the kick in the ass that this team needs? It's like, well, see what you did. We got these guys traded. Like, to a man, there's got to be some time in the mirror where it's like, okay, what do I need to do? There are a lot of things. You got another text into the text line that said, of course, Chief is disgusted watching that. That's a guy that made it an entire career out of effort. Like, you can't, uh, there are some things that just, a puck's not going to bounce your way sometimes. And there are going to be goals that go the other way. There's going to be bad luck here and there. The only thing that you can put into it night in and night out is effort, okay? And I'm not naive enough to think that through an 82-game season that you can give it 110% every shift. This is, it's an incredibly physical game, and it is taxing. But when you are going through a stretch like this against a team like that, those are the games that you have to win. Mm-hmm. Those are the puck battles that you have to win. Those are the little extra effort games that you have to have. And that's where your veterans, as you mentioned, a couple of them sleep in throughout the game. That's what your young guys are looking at you. And Absolutely. Saying, what is what is this supposed to look like? You got one of the old heads out there running people down or, or finishing his checks or winning these puck battles on the corner. It's going to make the young guys want to do it as well. The most consistent players for this team have been Jake Neighbors, Tyler Pitlick, Alexei Toropchenko, Nola Chari. Those are one veteran and a lot of young guys who are trying to make a name for themselves. Defensively, the most consistently you've been has been Callie Rosen and Tyler Tucker. All of these veterans. You asked the question, BT, what are you looking for? Nothing's going going to change come March 3rd with the exception of, oh, we got ourselves a couple of draft picks. If you're Doug Armstrong and look, last night, Doug Armstrong, Pete Shirelli, who's the assistant general manager, uh, Tim Taylor, who's in charge of the development process for the Blues. The tool and, man. Absolutely. And Troy Brower. Mr. Blackhawk, who scored the goal against the Blackhawks. Probably a terrible nickname. That's fine. I'll I don't think he on. likes it. I don't nickname. think he does. But they were all in attendance last night. So from now, and it's not even March 3rd. March 3rd, you can get excited about to find out what type of draft picks you're going to get. From now until the end of the season, welcome to evaluation mode. So really good question here from the text line from the 650314. I almost gave up way too much of their phone number. It's all of us. It's all of us. I just put your whole number out there. See how many texts you get. Everyone text them. (laughs) But it says, uh, it is a really good question because when things are not going your way, you start to get that... uh, paralysis by analysis sometimes you get that fear those mm-hmm. uh, to use a chris duncanism you get the tight cheeks a little bit 
The text is, are these players so paralyzed by the fear of making mistakes that they're choosing to do nothing on the puck so they're not the one to make the mistake? Do you think that there's any of that going on? So I, I think there's some of that going on in certain areas. Offensively, I don't believe that to be the case because Jordan Cairo is playing with confidence right now. Jordan Cairo got bumped off the puck that led to that second goal last night. That isn't the case. But go back and watch that fifth goal that was scored. That was two players in Nick Letty and Nico Mikola that didn't trust the other to get the job done because Letty, Letty's role was to go get that puck while Mikola stayed in front of the net. Mikola went after that puck, left the guy unmanned because they wanted to win that puck battle. Some of this is doing too much because you're trying to stop the bleeding but I also feel some of this is players looking at the other side and saying well he's not getting it done so I've got to get it done and guess what you not being in the position that you need to be is the reason that that odd man rush comes the other way Another text here talking about O'Reilly, I'm assuming here, is uh, does it really need to be just draft picks? Why not ask for already NHL-ready players in said trade? The problem is, You're Alex, is he's a rental. Yep. Like uh, You're renting him for the rest of the season. And he's got an ankle injury. Yeah, so it's very difficult to get top dollar. If he was playing like we've seen him play throughout his career, and again, real quick with O'Reilly, I do not believe the Ryan O'Reilly that we've seen this year is Ryan O'Reilly. No. I believe that there is more in the tank. I believe that he's going to come back and he'll bounce back and have a good rest of the season, whatever that is, wherever that is. They'll catapult the Detroit Red Wings into a playoff spot. Or something somewhere. I had to say uh, it. But, uh, but the the hard part is getting value off of a player that is a rental. Yeah. And look no further than what Ottawa got for Claude Giroux. Or, I'm sorry, not Ottawa. Philly got for Claude Giroux last season. But here's the difference. Claude Giroux wasn't injured. Claude Giroux was having a decent season. And Claude Giroux was still that pending UFA but he was also a player that Florida really wanted. There's a couple of other factors that go into that. They also got Owen Tippett, who had struggled in a couple of different teams prior to that. So uh, rock bottom for the Blues. They try and dig themselves out of that on Saturday afternoon with, guess what? Easy peasy. Oh, who we got? Colorado Avalanche. Oh, yeah. And they lost last night to the Anaheim Ducks, so <laughs> they're going to be pissed off. Does it, like, I'm at a point right now with the Blues, and I mean this in all seriousness. It doesn't matter who they play. No. It's what they no. do. Yeah. Like, if you can't play your game against uh, the Coyotes, you're not going to win. You can't play your game against the Avalanche, you're not going to win. You're going to go try against the Avalanche? Maybe you got a chance. As long as you don't do what you did last night in terms of turning the puck over, you've got a chance. Wow, well, the try I, thing, remember? I, I well, thought that, you were going to say you were ready for a eulogy on the Blues. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I'm not going to kill him. What, wow. like a 31, 32 games <laughs> 30, left, something like that? 33 games? It feels like more. Like It feels like there's a lot more. <laughs> feels like a lot more. Yet. we got I, a lot more opportunities to... I'm ready. I, I have the music this. ready to go, but it sounds like a... We'll get the Googly T- going at some point. T-Bone was ready to kill this Blues team yeah. off. Well, we're going to talk because it seems Blues fans are uh, ready to ship out the head coach. We'll get into that in tw- at the 12 o'clock hour. But coming up next, Tommy Edmond did not make a list, according to MLB Network. And we've got a bone to pick with that. That's coming next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Edmund with a drive out to deep right. It is gone. It's a walk off. The Cardinals were down to the Tommy Edmond 
the starting shortstop expected to be for the Cardinals this season. And alongside Brad Thompson and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Alex Ferrari. I think we all can agree with John Mozeliak. Tommy Edmond is a very good shortstop. And that's what the Cardinals are hoping for this year. But you know what, BT? He's not good enough to crack MLB Network's top ten. What's happening? He's not good enough to crack the top ten of shortstops. They can't be. They had a list last night. Did they check it twice? And they found out that Tommy Edmond was naughty, not nice. Nailed it. Look at you. Here's the, together. here's the top ten. Wander Franco. Okay, are we starting at ten? We're starting at ten. Okay. So you tell me, is Tommy Edmond better than one of these guys? Okay, all right, so we're going to play this we're game? We're going to play this game. I don't like this game. We're going to play this game. Let's, let's start at one, then. We start at one? Yeah, let's go that way. Okay, Trey Turner. No. Carlos yeah. Correa. No. no. Xander Bogarts. No. Corey Seager. No. Francisco Lindor. No. Dansby Swanson. No. Bo Bichette. No. Willie Adamas. He's a better defender for sure. Doesn't have the bat as Willie Adamas does. Adamas, way he had 31 bombs last mm-hmm. year, 31 doubles, and played like 139 games. Mm-hmm. I'm still, I am personally, I'm taking Tommy Edmond over Willie Adamas. I'm, I'm taking Tommy Edmond over Willie Adamas also. Tim Anderson, I'll take Tommy over Tim Anderson as well. Again, another guy hits for more power, not the all around as good of a player in my opinion, but I will take. Uh, Tommy Edmonds. And Wander Franco. Injuries too. For sure. Anderson, he right? hasn't played. I don't think Tim Anderson's played over 125 games, but like say, twice in his career. I think he's injured. And it was early. early. Same with Franco. Franco dealt with, I think it was a bunch right. of hamstring issues By, last year. W- Wander Franco Wander, was the last one. Wander Franco was number I w- 10. I would take Wander Franco over Tommy Edmonds. Because to be of totally youth. Honest. Because yeah. of youth yeah, and the for expectations sure. for him. For sure. The upside that, that is there. And I can understand that. I would honestly take Tommy Edmonds over Dansby Swanson. I wasn't in on Dansby Swanson this season, and I might be crazy on that end of it, but. Tommy Edmond, I Tommy Edmond provides this Cardinals team something that they need, and I feel like Dansby Swanson is a lot of what they already have. Uh, yeah, yeah, potentially. Like here, here's my thing with Tommy Edmond because I, I said I was going to take, I, I would take eight of the ten over Tommy Edmond here. Yet I still preach that he's good shortstop. He is. He's a mm-hmm. very good shortstop. And it's funny as they were going through the top ten list last night, they did have Tommy Edmond as they were rolling out their graphics number one amongst all shortstops in B WAR last year. Baseball reference mm-hmm. war. By the way, if you ever see a B war and an F war, there B is baseball reference war, F, F is, is fangraphs fan war, and I can't tell you What's the just war, B then? or F indifference. <laughs> but I, I know this. Uh, I'm guessing that the uh, the B war factors in a little bit more of the defense than fangraphs does, due to the fact that he was a little bit higher there. But when you're looking at Tommy Edmond, like there are a lot of shortstops in the game of baseball. There are a lot of shortstops that, that aren't even on this list. I'm like, man, I, I would take that guy for sure on your ball club Tommy Edmond is just a really good baseball player that's what he is I truly believe in uh, in your best team in your best team Tommy Edmond is still a versatile piece that moves around the infield mm-hmm. like if if you were to go out and sign one of those shortstops that's where your best team is where Tommy plays second base or maybe he bounces over now you're very fortunate right now that you have a guy like Donovan that can do those same things that Tommy Edmond does and maybe that's your middle or maybe you know he ends up being a moving piece or who knows uh, we talked about Paul DeYoung and if you missed it yesterday Alex Ferrario very high on Paul DeYoung comeback season right. next year due to the fact that he 
eliminated the leg kick. Eliminated the leg that. kick. Read the story. It's at stltoday.com. Derek Gould. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the podcast, uh, 101ESPN.com, which is presented by Topps Tire and Auto Centers. You did all of those things. But I don't have a uh, I don't have a beef that he didn't make the top 10 here of like shortstops because the shortstop position has, has really changed over the years. And in large part now, this is a power position. This is a, where are the dudes that rake and, oh, by the way, they're freak athletes as well. Like that, that's what you're building right. at the position. Tommy Edmonds still has plenty of offensive upside. It was 31 doubles last year, 32 stolen bases. By the way, the stolen base thing, I know it's been like a dying breed. It's going to be even more important this year as you have different rule changes. You only have you have limited pickoffs. You can only pick off twice to a base. You have bigger bases, which, by the way, I got a chance to be on the bigger bases this Big past uh, this past weekend. I stood on it at first. I go, what the hell is this? What is it? What is going on here? And then realized it's three inches bigger all the way around. Like it was a, a an interesting thing. You don't really like. You don't notice it until you're actually like standing on it. So, okay, well, this is different. Well, it's six inches different to the base. How many uh, bang, bang plays at second base would be safer out because of six inches? There's a lot of them that happen there. So Tommy Edmonds speed is going to be a big part of this as well. But when Alex, you're looking at war last year, again, I know that there are a lot of, I know war is not perfect. Okay. It's mm-hmm. just a accumulation of all these different numbers that tries to spit out what the who the best guys are and what value they bring to a team and when you're looking at the top of the charts it's kind of hard to as far as position players go who do you guys think off the top of your head position player player wise was number one in war last year goldie in all of baseball oh all of baseball baseball. yeah goldie comes in at third overall otani Otani uh, did not make it. They're just offensive players. Number one was Judge, though. You were thinking along the the right lines. Number two was Arenado. And by the way, this is baseball reference war. Be war. Uh, Goldie was number three. Kind of a shocker here at number four was Andres Jimenez uh, with with, uh, Cleveland. Oh, yeah. Who had a monster year. Manny Machado was five. Jordan Alvarez, six. Austin Riley was seven. JT Real Muto. Mookie Betts is ninth, and then Tommy Edmond was 10th. And Again, as far p- as value goes for position And players. at one point last season, BT, correct me if I'm wrong, he was top he le- five. He, he was, was leading, leading for right? a while. Yeah, so, and it's, again, it's not perfect, but the thing about Tommy Edmond and what, what makes his game, and, and, like, if you have a whole team full of Tommy Edmonds, you're going to have a lot of success. The yep. fact that he is so sound in everything that he does. Is he a perfect player? No. Like, he could get on base even more. I think that he could work counts better. He could draw more walks. Like, th- those are things that you would love to see his game evolve. But the fact that he's a doubles machine, and I don't think that it, it's crazy to believe that he can be a, a 40-plus double guy, I think there's still more home run power, although they don't play in a ballpark that's really conducive for it with Tommy Edmond, and I really never want to plant that seed in Tommy Edmond, <laughs> where it's just like, oh, you could be a home run hitter, yeah. and then he's lifting and separating. Now he's <laughs> a little bit too smart for that, but his value really is bouncing around the yard. So the fact that, that he was not in the top 10 for shortstops, I am, I am totally okay with that. What can he do, or is there anything he can do, do you think, BT, that can ease the I don't want to say pain, but maybe the frustration from fans that you, they skipped two years of shortstop. Did you just go Field of Dreams? Yeah, I did. Ease his pain. Ease it. Ease his pain. You don't whisper anything Here's what the you mic. can do. Here's Why? what you can do if you're Tommy Edmond. 
Don't care about anybody else's pain. I'm oh, not using as a little rage. No, 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 no. He's not a rage guy. I, say, he I can't seems like Tommy least, him as a rage Tommy guy. Tommy is like the least rage guy Tommy possible. Is like very calculated, uh, you know, very, very just faithful. Like he's he's <laughs> a great dude. He doesn't need that. But what he needs to do is just don't listen to any of it because there is nothing that you can do about sitting out two classes of shortstops because there's no way around it. As high as I think of Tommy Edmond, big fan, my son's favorite player. He really? loves him some Tommy Edmond. Yeah, I spent way too much money on auctions on Tommy Edmond stuff that I probably could have got for free. And hey, I just goes asked. to a good cause. Uh, but yes, goes to a good cause. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, but. There, there's no way around it. Your your ball club is better mm-hmm. if you went out and signed Turner or Correa or you made a move for Bogarts. Like your team is better. That doesn't mean you don't have a talented player in Tommy Edmond, though. So I don't think that there is anything from a fan base standpoint. And uh, look, he texts us if you think that there is three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. But I don't think that there's any way that he will like or, or teams will. Fans will look past it and say, "Well, you didn't need any of those guys." Of course, you need talented players. I I, I agree with that. I, I do think it can become easier for the fans as long as shortstop isn't a massive hole for the St. Louis Cardinals, and I don't think it will be with Tommy Evans because we just talked about it. he's a solid baseball player for the Cardinals. Unlike the year prior, where you had the hole where Paul DeYoung just wasn't producing, and then you looked at it and you had Sosa that was there, it was clear shortstop was a major issue for the Cardinals, and he didn't know what the future of the position was going to hold. I think Tommy Edmond locks it down until he becomes a free agent. If I'm not mistaken, that's, what, three years away, I believe? So I, I think long as it doesn't look – when you look at the Cardinals lineup and you circle shortstop as where do they need to improve, then I, I think some fans – I'm not saying they'll never never just completely forget about, hey, they passed up on guys like Correa and Seager. But it, it eases the burden a little bit. And I think it eases the burden, too, if a guy that's not even a shortstop can carry the offense even more and do what he was brought in to do, and that's Wilson Contreras, sure. too, because they used him as being that impact, that third impact bat yeah. rather than the shortstop position. Keeping the defense. Fans, oh, and maybe I'm wrong on this one. Again, you can text us. You can always leave mic drops. That thing's available all the time. All you don't have time. to wait for anybody to ask you. The mic drop on the 101 ESPN app, it's always available. I don't think fans care how you win. They care if you win. That's it. It doesn't matter if it's because of Tommy Edmond or if it's because of Contreras or it's because that you're pitching. Just care if you're winning ball games. If you figure out ways to do it, and I know this about Tommy Edmond. Tommy Edmond is a winning player. Absolutely. 314-399-9646. That's our Air Comfort Service text line. Coming up in 15 minutes, we've got Ask Us Anything Different from Questions and Answers. You throw anything at us and we'll give you an answer. That's coming up in about 15 minutes. But coming up next, big weekend, of course, in the AFC and NFC, but specifically Cincinnati and Kansas City. Are we about to see the label of best QB after this weekend? We'll get into that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Count that, that big bang. 314-399-9646 is our Air Comfort Service text line. We've got Ask Us Anything coming up in just a bit. We'll get to those on the other side. But now, the big weekend, the championship bash, which make sure you get on out to Helen Fitzgerald's this week, and we're going to be partying it up uh, Sunday afternoon into the evening uh, for all of those games. But it starts with Bengals and, nope, it starts with Eagles and 49ers. The night one is Bengals and Chiefs. And BT, that one, although I said yesterday that the afternoon,
noon game is more intriguing to me. Are you going to uh, actually not, get the correct side of nope, it now? No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to back up on that one. I'm going to stick with it. But a lot of people are excited for this. And in terms of national headlines, the narrative in that game is going to be the best QB in the league because it's been Patrick Mahomes for the last few seasons. This could be the year at least for a lot of people, that they see Joe Burrow become the best quarterback in football if he overtakes Patrick Mahomes. Is that the way that you look at it? I is, don't. Because I think you got to win a Super Bowl before you could sit there and say that's the best QB in the league. So even if he does, even if he does win the Super Bowl, okay, and we'll say that Joe Cool goes out there. By the way, he is so easy to like, like when you're watching Joe Burrow, the way that he answers things. Uh, it was a few weeks back when he was playing against uh, Tom Brady, and he was asked about, like, how cool is that? He's like, I, I guess, you know, whatever. I'm here to win a football yeah. game. Yeah, he's he's, he's going to play against me, too. <laughs> like, like he, he is just like one of those Seems dudes. Like that like guy. He is uh, he is ready, and I think that he was actually asked a question about uh, playing against like that guy Mahomes, and he said, "I'm that guy." Yeah, like I love it. And he love. said they need to worry or they need to be worried about us. Of course, as they should. But even if they do go on, they they beat the Chiefs and then they win the Super Bowl. Whether it's the 49ers, the Eagles that they end up uh, taking down. If I gave you, you're the GM of a team, and I'm giving you first pick, and you can pick any quarterback in the league, is that what makes you pick Joe Burrow? Because I, even if that happens, I'm still, still taking Mahomes. Mahomes. I'm still going Mahomes. And a lot of it is just because of what Mahomes has done in the short time of his career. Joe Burrow has been to a Pro Bowl. He's been to a Super Bowl. He got the comeback player of the year. Heck, he's done a lot with a team that, one, has not had the greatest offensive line. Two, has some really good weapons, but may not be the sexiest team on paper. But Patrick Mahomes, everyone said this offseason that with no Tyreek Hill, they were going to take some type of step back, me included. They obviously have not. You could get to a Super Bowl. Now, Patrick Mahomes is against Burrow in his career, so that may play into this for some people. But on the same length as, as you, Joe Burrow can blow out the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend. He can go to the Super Bowl and win his first Super Bowl, and what would it be, his fourth year as a uh, pro quarterback? I'm still going to take Patrick Mahomes because of everything that we've seen. You give it a couple more years and Joe Burrow can get to that point. Yeah, I, I, I would still stick with Joe Burrow. He does close the gap for me if he ends up winning the Super Bowl. I think, he, I think he's already locked in as maybe the number two quarterback in the league right now, depending on without knowing what happens this weekend. But he would close the gap. I think the thing that he's missing on his resume, and I think he'll get one at some point in his career, is the MVP. I mean, Mahomes is probably going to win his second this year. I mean, you mentioned we thought he might take a step back without Tyreek Hill. He threw for the most passing yards in his career, so clearly didn't stop him. So I, I think that he's going to need an MVP, maybe two MVPs, and and continue to have the winning record to surpass Patrick Mahomes when they go up against each other. But I, I don't think he can surpass him this weekend or by winning a Super Bowl. I think he can just close the gap. The thing that's interesting, too, because that is the big narrative, uh, the fact that uh, yeah, and you brought up the numbers, right? 3-0 and uh, is uh, is Joe Burrow against Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes, he's 0-3 against Joe Burrow. No, that, he's not. That math he's, tells you that Burrow is better than Mahomes. Yeah, but it all, to me, it just tells you that he's 0-3 his last three against the Bengals, right? <laughs> and against their defense specifically. What's really interesting about all of those games is that all three wins were second half comebacks for the Bengals. And you even look back to last year's AFC championship game. The Chiefs had a pretty damn good lead. 21 to three mm-hmm. at one point, I think before the half, it ended up being 21 10 and the Chiefs were stopped at like the one or something. They weren't able to punch another one in. But in the second half, that's where the defense for this Bengals team 
game really took over. Four of the five possessions in the, the to begin the second half, there were four punts and an interception. Like the defense was swarming. Absolutely. And the defense this year for Cincinnati is even better than it was a year ago. So like we like to do this this Mahomes versus Burrow. Right. That is not the competition, right? It's it's these guys against the other team's defense and what they're able to do. And defensively, the Bengals are a more sound team than the Chiefs. So the question is, who is going to be up to that? So I, I don't look at this as a, this is a battle for the no. best. I think it's a great narrative and it's fun for us to kick around. But I want to see what adjustments both of these quarterbacks make, specifically maybe in the second half of this game. And if anything, you're also looking at your head coaches too. Andy Reid is one of the best head coaches in the game, but Zach Staley is starting to make more and more of a name for himself, despite that BK Zach still Taylor. hates that. In what did I say? Zach Staley. It's close. Zach Staley. Close enough. You're Zach hate, Taylor. You were thinking of the guy enough. you hate. And uh, the one in L.A. Yeah, that's very true, Brandon Staley. But you're looking at the coaching staff there to where you're looking at Cincinnati with Zach Taylor and saying, damn, this head coach might start to be somebody that you pay attention to. So on the flip side of this, BT, the game that I'm most intrigued by, it's Eagles and 49ers. We're talking about the top two QBs in the league right now and Burrow and Mahomes. Let's say Jalen Hurts wins the Super Bowl. What does that do for the quarterback rankings in the NFL? Because coming into this season, I'm not sure many people had him in the top 10. Well, I think mainly that's because you don't look at him and be like, oh, well, he's going to throw for 4,000 yards, 5,000 yards. He's just not that guy. And only one guy actually went for over 5,000 yards this year. We talked about him a second ago, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, but, but he's still he, not good like Burrow. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. Uh, Burrow, Burrow came in at fifth in yards overall, which is uh, uh, very, very respectable. Maybe, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't fifth. It doesn't matter. It's fine. Uh, it's, it's probably around that area. The thing with Jalen Hurts, I think Jalen has proven all of the doubters wrong. Remember, it was still a couple of weeks in this this year where it's like, okay, well, is he still going to be the answer? What is he going to be? Well, he turned into a guy that you had the questions, can he make all, all the passes? Yes, uh, he can. Uh, can he create plays? Absolutely. Is he hell on the ground? For sure. So I, I think that he's obviously a top 10 quarterback. He's probably a top five quarterback when you're looking at the overall if you were again just drafting a team and trying to put it together um, but he will in my opinion he'll never be in that same conversation as Mahomes as Burrow even as Josh Allen Agreed. because these are all more pure prototypical passers yeah I, I agree with that because I was going to say though he has had a really good year I feel like he's more of one of those quarterbacks and look every quarterback kind of has this as kind of you have to know this on the front end but I feel like he his success is more towards what his system has been because I agree with you. He's not more of a pure passer. He's not going to beat you like Patrick Mahomes who can get outside the pocket and just with a flick of the wrist throw a 60-yard bomb down the field like Josh Allen and Joe Burrow can do as well. He he relies on the system in place. I remember, I, I think it was... Um, I'm trying. I think it was Tony Romo during that AFC game between Buffalo and Cincinnati this past week, where he said, "You know, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles schematically, offensively, they're the toughest team to stop in the NFL." And I think that's that's part a big part of the success for Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, right. but I think he gets propped up by the system that he has. So I, I think he will rise maybe into that top five if he wins a Super Bowl based on rankings, because we're you know reacting to the spur of the moment. 
I would probably still keep him outside the top five because I, I do think he benefits mightily from the system that's in place. Well, don't you also have to prove it for years on end before we, we yeah. do this a lot? Mm-hmm. And it's because we like to we talk about what we see. You see something on a given week. That's why we do power rankings every week. And this is why we do top ten lists. It's like, oh, I saw that. This That's what this is. And then next week that guy falls off. You have to show that you can do it at a certain level for at least a couple of years in this league because teams are going to make adjustments to you to get into that echelon. He's Brad Thompson, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. Coming up in 15 minutes, a lot of people after that loss last night were talking about, has this team quit on Craig Berube? Well, we'll discuss that. And also, who's evaluating Doug Armstrong moving forward? But coming up next, it's Ask Us Anything. Text us your questions, 314-399-9646, the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get to your questions next here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions. We may have the answers. Maybe text 314-399-9646. PK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by James Carlton with State Farm. Have drivers under 25 on your insurance? Save hundreds of dollars a year with CarltonInsurance.net. 9646 is our Air Comfort Service text line as we get to ask us anything today on BK and Ferrario. BTN for BK. Uh, he will be back next week, and then I will be out uh, next week. Oh, they all seem to hate each other. Yeah. Nobody's here at the well, same time. You weren't here for the, uh, the the issues between our show. What was the problem? Well, the fast lane guys, without you, they were just stirring up problems between BK Tanner and I. Huh. We're falling apart at the seams, BT. Well, it happens. It happens. Although, Tanner and I have gotten along swell yep. this week. This week, though. It seems like there's, well, you're not we'll, sure about the We'll future. find out what next week looks like when yeah. BK's back. And I'm, I might be the, uh, the peacemaker between everybody. Who knows about that? So we'll get to your text messages. Let's start with this one, kind of on that same page. Uh, can shows make in trades? Uh, because BK would be wonderful to take, or BT would be wonderful to take over BK's spot. I love the idea of a Tanner Hendrickson show with Alex and BT. Yeah, they don't give us that autonomy, I don't It'd believe, be nice. to just mix and match. I did throw out a couple of years ago on deaf ears uh, uh, a thing, like basically a freaky Friday, right? Like Fridays are just, it's all thrown in the pot, and we see how it comes out. We just pick, random generator? Like, you know, if, if you know in the morning you want a two-person show, pull two people out of the hat. You know you want three people in the afternoon, pull three out of the hat and see where it ends well, up landing. Who did listen to you about that idea? Honestly, no one. No wow. one listened. Unbelievable. Uh, but... Uh, it, it could be a fun thing. Now, maybe doing it every week is hard. Everybody's got their schedules. But the little mashup is kind of fun. I got to tell you, too, like, I miss doing the fast lane. And I'll be doing the fast lane next week. Oh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Here we go. It won't be all three of us, though. Anthony's going to Disney World. You'll see him there. Yeah, I will. Uh, and then the following week, I'll be in because Jamie's going to Mexico, getting all cinnamon tanned up, baby oil. Nice. You know how he rolls. That's uh, about right. It's, uh, I miss doing that. But the whole time I was telling you guys yesterday, it felt like three hours flew by. <laughs> I've done nothing in my radio career but four hours on a three-man show. So, like, the the actual two-man shows, they flow. Like, yeah. where it's just boom, 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 back and mm-hmm. forth. It's, uh, it's pretty easy. Yeah. When I say easy, We I don't mean, get lunch, though. I told you, you that. Were, That's you the hardest part. You were talking about the lunch yesterday. I think that you need a meal prep a little yeah, bit. Probably yeah, probably should. 
Yeah, be I an adult every once in a while. You know what? I'll do that. I'll make that uh, in the schedule that I have that's You're so tight these that. days. You're not going to do that. No, I'm not. You have two little kids at home. You're not it's gonna impossible. Prep. You're not going to grill chicken and make rice and then put them in little individual servings. There's, there's a reason the only one on the show. Well, I shouldn't say that because I don't have any kids. But I'll say this is the only reason of the show host. One of them does have a lunch prepared every day, yeah. and that's BK. Well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> he in, he in seems very later. prepared with everything. Yeah. Like, like there's not something in life that sneaks up on BK. Uh, we'll see how that goes in about uh, four or five months. July. Yeah, July. Uh, from the 636, if the Blues end up trading O'Reilly and Tarasenko, can we really expect this team to be any good going into next season? Going into next season, meaning the rest of this season? Wait, it, it, read it again for me. So if the Blues end up trading O'Reilly and Tarasenko, can we expect this team to be any good going into next season? It's, it's impossible to say without knowing the returns and knowing what they do in free agency with the money that's off the books. Like It, it really is. It, my, my answer, I guess, would be yes. It, it is. It, it's, it's crazy to believe that they can't be good because... You still have a young nucleus. You still have talent, even though they haven't played like it here recently. But you need tweaks, right? I mean, so to think that if you trade off those two pieces that you have no chance next year, with with all due respect, those two pieces haven't taken you to the promised land this year. So I think it's crazy to believe that this team can't compete. They have a good nucleus. They need some tweaking. I... I uh, can they be good next year? I agree with what BT was saying. We're, we just don't know yet. I, w- the NHL, things can change pretty quickly, so it, it wouldn't shock me if the Blues are good next season. They improve their 5-on-5 five five scoring. They are able to retool the defense on the fly and use some of the assets they get at this year's trade deadline to help do that. Yeah, I could see where they're good next year. I, tr- I trust Doug Armstrong. Yes, this year hasn't gone as planned, but as we've seen, Doug Armstrong is a very good general manager and president of hockey operations, so I trust he can turn this thing around on the fly heading into next season. Now, if the question was this year, I would probably say no way in hell, but luckily the question was for next season. I do think they can turn this thing around and be good next season. Yeah, I'm with you guys there. I think they can find a way to turn this in a positive direction, but it comes down to having a successful offseason. Uh, uh, from the 314 with the Cardinals outfield situation being in question by the All-Star break, do you think that Carlson or Newtbar will be our starting center fielders? That's assuming Tyler O'Neill and Jordan Walker are playing the corners. I do. I, I think one, one of those two guys will be manning center field for you. I really don't think that with the with all of the they've had an abundance of outfielders and continue to have an abundance of outfielders. They just don't know which ones are going to play well. Um, I don't see them going out and making a deal for another one. I was beating the drum hard for Brian Reynolds. I would love to be able to see him in the mix. I don't see that happening for them. I think they're going to shake it out with what they've got. And I truly believe that that Newt and or DC are, are definitely talented enough to man center field. They'll range it well. I believe the bats will continue to play. I look forward to see what Lars Newtbar has got in store after that great second half that he had. And hopefully for DC, it's a nice bounce back from a year where look, he, he didn't swing it well at all from the left side. Like that has to change for him. But I would be very surprised next year if there's anybody in center field that's not named one of those two guys. I'm with you. I'd be stunned if someone else ends up being brought in or someone else ends up playing center field. I think it's those two guys. And I think 
first they're going to hope that Carlson can hit from the left side against right-handed pitching and just take that job. And then whether Newbar ends up being the everyday right fielder or ends up becoming the fourth outfielder because someone beats him out for the job. They're happy either way. In worst case scenario, you could potentially see a platoon in center field of Lars Newbar and Dylan Carlson. And there's nothing wrong. We've talked about this before on the show. If Carlson ends up just becoming a platoon bat and just mashes left-handers, there's nothing wrong with that as long as you have someone that can hit right-handed pitching. And Lars Newbar might be that guy. So yeah, I, I would be stunned if nobody, if somebody else ends up playing center field. The only other scenarios you were talking that I came up with of somebody else playing center field has to do with some other guys really tearing it up, uh, i.e. Jordan Walker. He's playing in the corner for you, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later because he came up pretty high on a prospect list uh, that MLB.com had. And then maybe, let, let's say it's Yepes or Alec Burleson. Neither one of those guys are going to be manning center field for you, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And Tyler O'Neill is swinging it. O'Neill can play center field for you. So, like, that's the only other guy. If you have uh, two guys that are prototypical for sure corner guys that are mashing and you've already got maybe it's Gorman or somebody else filling mainly that DH spot, he's about the only other guy that I can see in the fold. Yeah. I, I, I see Dylan Carlson getting the long leash to begin the season. And I think once Jordan Walker's ready to go, that's when Lars Nupar becomes that center fielder and Dylan Carlson becomes that option, that fourth outfielder for them. Uh, final one we'll get to from the 804, who are the most likely defensemen to be traded away from the Blues and why? Seems like so many full no trade contracts may force certain moves like Letty Pareko or Aniko Mikola. You tell us, hockey guy. If there's, if there's one that's for sure to be traded, it's Nico Mikola. Unrestricted free agent. He struggled this year in the top four role. I don't see them giving him a contract extension unless it's for a very small amount, kind of of what he's at right now. And if you're Mikkel, you're probably going to want to get paid. Well, if he wants to be here, he better not act like it. You know how Army works. Don't, don't say make you those comments. Don't say you want to be here. And also don't ask for a long-term contract extension. Of the guys that I'm assuming this texter's talking about, Letty Pareko, Krug, and Falk, to be blunt, I don't think any of them are going to get moved. They're all making, well, aren't they all making right around 7-5 or so? Three yes, of six, the four? So 6-5 for three of the four. Letty's right around four, four and a half. Four. Four. Oh, I thought he's right at four. And the thing is, Krug and Falk got five more years. Yeah. Pareko's got, he's starting his long-term contract extension he's this got season. seven more. And then God you got it. Nick Letty, who's got three more. You're not moving any of these guys. And also Marco Scandella. So maybe they really try and add some assets to one of these guys in the offseason. But if you're going to pay a team to take that defenseman off of your team, who are you filling that void with? Because you got nobody in the minors. So, uh, again, I hate to be blunt about this. Your team defensively might look the same next year. And, and kind of to that point, you know, I, I if these deals were shorter, I think they could get out from one of them. Attach a first-round pick, some team might be willing to take it on. But because they've got multiple years left, do teams really want to take on those guys? And Tory Krug's always been the guy that's been circled on our show and what fans have texted in and said, well, just trade him, attach a first-round pick to him. We've kind of mentioned this, you know, Krug right now looks more like a third-pairing defenseman that's just a power play specialist. Does the team really want him at $6.5 million for the next handful of years, even if they get a first-round pick in return? I don't know. I, I think it's going to be tough. I, I agree with you. If they're going to move one, 
They may have to do someone that they don't really want to move. It may have to be like a Justin Falk or Colton Prego if they want to retool, but I don't think they want to do that. So I'm kind of with you. I don't think they move any defensemen. Here's my follow-up question with that. If it does look the same next year, because I think that with you guys, I mean, I've been kind of shocked of how bad they're playing and the fact that the music stopped. I mean, a lot of things shock me. <laughs> that's uh, that's like the Oscars right playoff no, music. Play it off doesn't stage, matter. I'm BT. still going to keep talking. I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> Is it crazy to believe that you can come back with the, neck, the same core group of defensemen and actually play better than they played this year? I don't think it's crazy because we saw them play better last season in the postseason. So with that same defense. So what the hell are they not doing this year? And why are they See, not I think, doing it? I think they were overachieving last year. I, I've said for the last three years that the defensive core has been a massive problem for the St. Louis Maybe, Blues. but in the postseason, we were seeing low-scoring games against Minnesota and Colorado. I, I, think, I think the Colorado series especially, because Minnesota, I think they were the better team. I, I think in the Colorado series, it was just, you know, you didn't notice it because Bennington was saving their bacon. And then when Bennington Sometimes went out, what'd you notice? it comes down to the postseason, though. It's rare that you see teams dominant defensively from start to finish. Usually you're going to have those slip-ups. That is the biggest question, though, and I think that's why a lot of people, BT, have gone to the question of, should the coach be fired? I, for one, think that's a crazy it's statement. It's a three-year extension. You're not going to fire him. Sorry about it. I'm with you. Doug Armstrong has said that very same thing back in November, but it's still a conversation piece. And speaking of Doug Armstrong, who's keeping an eye on him moving forward? We're going to get into that next year on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Craig Berube barking orders to him right now. He's putting his hand up. And then Tarasenko, who's getting it fed to him from the coaches, along with Kairou. Now Kairou's arguing with somebody. Yeah. Tarasenko slams the door. The body language on the Blues bench and the frustration level is high. Not good. A very interesting sequence of events. Yeah. You're right. You had Craig Berube barking at the entire line. Kairou throws up both hands, starts yelling back. Tarasenko slamming the door. The only quiet partner. And all that mix was Braden Shen. It's a 5-0 Coyotes lead. The shoulders are slumped. The heads are down. Frustration on the bench. Look, it's bad right now for the St. Louis Blues. And that was from the third period last night. Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale on the call alongside Brad Thompson and Tanner Hendricks and Alex Ferrario. And BT, you as a former professional athlete, you know, when things are bad, you get frustrated because all of these guys are competitors. And this isn't so much, all oh, they hate the coach and that's why they're yelling. No, they're pissed off that they're losing 5 to nothing to an Arizona Coyotes team and things aren't going don't well. Don't let somebody push you off the puck on the board. And that's... Kairou, or whoever. Like, pick a player, any player. Or you know don't what I mean? watch the puck be able to skate right past you down the gut of the ice and into the back of the net. But that along with the Blues losing to the Arizona Coyotes following losing to the Chicago Blackhawks has gotten some Blues fans questioning Craig Berube. The the number one question I got last night on postgame BT was, has this team quit on their head coach? And you can look at the outcome of that game and say, probably they stopped playing for Craig Berube. Craig Berube, every single pregame we hear from him talk with Chris Kerber. I have the audio every single postgame that he speaks with the media. And when I listen to every single practice that he speaks to the media, Craig Berube has never said one thing about the game plan that I've said, oh, I've never heard him say that before. It's the same thing every single game. And this was Doug Armstrong back on November 1st 
after or in the midst of that eight-game losing streak that the Blues were involved with where Doug met with the media? Overreact, but we certainly can't underreact, too. And one of the things I told the players that if this continues, you know, in my 30 years of watching the NHL, it's going to be okay. Well, then what happens? The coach, well, I told the players the coach is not going anywhere because the coach came from the American Hockey League where he coached young players and made them better. And he coached veteran players and and made them win here. He can do both. So he's going to be here. I I don't say that as a a threat or anything like that, but I I believe in the coach. I believe in the system. And this isn't a system issue. It's a competitive issue. So he says it's not a threat. And I believed him it wasn't a threat because we've seen him say this and also not fire a coach or fire a head coach. But... Alex, for, that was 10 games into the season. That was right? 10 games into the season. Where No, it was 11 games into the season. My bad, way Because off. the eight-game losing streak, come on, man, be, be better about that. Yeah, and then no, you started off 3-0. and Okay. I, I personally don't like this argument. I think it's just, I, it's ridiculous that we get to the point where if a team stops playing for a head coach, that the head coach is the one that gets fired because you're setting the precedent that the players get to run the team. But the players run the team. Well, they, they, they're the ones making the big money, and they're the contracts that you can't move off of, right? They're the ones that are always going to cost uh, against the cap. So this this is always the easy narrative. Uh, but my thing is, why is it when a team doesn't play well and when it looks like they are not playing hard and that they, they quit, why is it always they quit on their head coach? They, they they quit on themselves. They quit on their teammates. They quit exactly like like this. This is uh, to a man. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. Is it in spite of? Uh, it's like well, we're just going to keep doing this until we get uh, this guy out the door. I hope that's not the case. I think that Craig Berube, from what I know, seems like a pretty respectable guy that you'd love to play for. Now, if you're not doing the right things, you probably wouldn't like to play for him because he's going to continue to beat you over the head with the same Absolutely. thing until you end up getting it right. So there's a couple different ways to look at this. Uh, one of them is. Is um, mention the the well. Let's let's go back to the army saying that eleven games in. I, I aired a minute ago. I said it was ten games, but it was obviously eleven. Oh, okay, there was a big winning streak early of three games, and then a mm-hmm. losing streak, and then uh, army talked to the media. The the fact that he had to mention that the head coach wasn't going to get fired was alarming at the time, and it's even alarming now. When you like hear it's like he's not going anywhere. It's like who, nobody said that. Who, who said that? Who's talking about that? Just won a Stanley Cup not that long ago. Like who was talking about that? But the other part is uh, when when one of these guys, you know, the players aren't going anywhere. You said uh, you're talking about pregame shows, Alex, and you say, hey, I've never heard. I don't hear Craig Berube say something different about a game plan. Like, it's the same idea. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, there should not be anything lost in translation of what he wants from his players. He's right? clear cut with everything he says. Maybe you need to say something else then. Maybe you need to try something different because there is the, the old, I mean, how long can you beat a dead horse? You know, you got to try something else. Even if this is a conversation we have analytically in baseball, like a lot a lot of guys like just do not respond well to to the numbers, and sometimes you have to spoon feed them things that they don't know. You're sneaking the medicine in the applesauce, right? Maybe I want you to play, and that happens, T Bone. Uh, you, you sneak the medicine in something the kids like, and just like here comes the airplane. And then, that's why I always had applesauce. Yes, as a kid. and that's why you got all your vitamins. You, you know, yeah. like all, all these things matter. Vitamins. Maybe you have to figure out a way to feed your players the medicine a little bit differently. I think the only way you can feed the medicine to these players differently is what they're going through right now, where the medicine being fed to these guys is you're going to play this way and you're going to see what happens when you play this way. Like Craig Berube 
if he was lighting in, lighting up Jordan Cairo and Vladimir Tarasenko on the bench last night, and who knows what took place there, you've said everything you need to say. Now it's to the point of, if you're going to play this way, you're going to lose. And you're going to keep making these mistakes. And that's what he's been saying all year. Absolutely. So what? How do you change it up? That's how do you change the narrative? Is, how, how do you? How does something change if it's falling on deaf ears? I, I mean, is it a roster shakeup? I mean, it's coming. Is that going to really do anything? I, I don't know. That 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 would be my question. And that's why, like, when I look at Craig Berube, and again, it's unfair in, in the NHL. This is really a big thing. Is where the players are really dictating this, and when they just give up on a coach. Next thing you know, the coach is out the door. And, and that's why I, I I brought this idea up as when we were planning for the show as not because I think Craig Bruby should be fired, but I'm concerned that his job is in jeopardy because it, he's I, I don't know. He's preaching the same things. The Blues have clearly not listened to him all year long. They have not made any improvements when it comes to the defense all season long. It is clearly falling on deaf ears. So. I think Bruby, I think Craig Bruby is a great head coach. I don't think he should be let go. Yes, he has the contract extension. I've seen coaches let go for lesser issues. I, I have concerns that his job is in jeopardy for the St. Louis Blues because it is falling on deaf ears. And it's not something that he can change, in my opinion. I, I think the roster has just given up on him. I feel like we've if, seen if Blues do sense, this though. to multiple head coaches. They did it to they did it to, they did it to Mike Yo, and they're doing it to Craig Bruby right now. And here's The problem to me, then, is further upstairs than Bruby. Well, and that's where we were going to get to next. I mean, my last thing on Craig Berube is if you fire Craig Berube, this is how you evaluate how good of a coach you have. If you fire Craig Berube, how fast will he be hired? And he'll be hired quickly. I would believe so. Because he's a guy, as Doug Armstrong mentioned in that quote, who had success in the minors because he coached a lot of these guys in the American Hockey League that are playing at the NHL level, and he found a way to win with veterans. But Craig Berube, and we had the quote from Barry Trotz yesterday, Craig Berube coaches the manager's team. Despite what people believe, if the coach is the guy in charge, the manager is the one that creates this team. And we've seen this trend in the wrong direction for Doug Armstrong. This has been a bad offseason for him because you didn't address the defense the way that people thought you were going to with Nick Letty. You moved on from David Perron, who we're going to get into at 1230. I think we underestimated how much he impacted this team off of the ice but if we're going to sit here and point fingers at Craig Berube and say, well, he's the head coach, he's got to go. Maybe it's a temporary fix. Maybe you put a Band-Aid over the wound, but it's going to start bleeding again sooner or later if this team knows they don't like a head coach. They'll stop playing for him until somebody else comes into the way that they want to play. When do you start looking at Doug Armstrong? When Who's the one that's looking at Doug Armstrong well, and saying this roster? That's ownership, right, is when they're looking at it. And by no means are we sitting here talking about, like, call for Army's job. Absolutely but, but not. There, there always are checks and balances. We talked about this yesterday with roster construction and, and signing up contracts. And uh, Kyrou's been the whipping boy all year, again, leading your team in points, but does not play a complete game all the time. I bet if you were, like, honest, like, like here, drink this uh, truth serum, Craig Berube, like, who— would you want to sign uh, this player to a long-time uh, multi-year deal? He might be like, nah, I don't, I don't know if I would do that. Uh, but Army's like, yeah, talented, fast player. This is where the league is going. He can score at a high clip. That's what we're going to do. The two are going to have to get on the same page, or whoever the two are. Like, like that has to. You got to be able to build a little bit of a bridge together. I want to hit this text really quick to the, the Air Comfort Service text line three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. This one from the five seven three. It said, "Hey BT," and this goes back to uh, Craig Berube. Like, how can he change the way that yeah, that spoon feet? Yeah, exactly. How, uh, change 
change the way that he does it. So BT, did, did uh, Tony La Russa ever change his methods? And he didn't. And here's the thing about Tony. Tony generally had the sway to be able to make changes personnel-wise. Like Tony could also, Tony had a great relationship with the front office and could get pieces in and out that he wanted in and out. And then it got to a point with the White Sox where he didn't change the way that he did things. And health reasons aside, that was kind of costing him his gig over there too, where at some point in any of our lives, as good as we are at something, we are going to have to adapt different ways that we think, that we talk, uh, that, that we interact with people. And at some point, if you don't, that might end up catching up to you. Here was Doug Armstrong, who also spoke on that uh, in the midst of that eight-game losing streak, 11 games in, BT, not 10, 11 It was on me again. Games in. And, uh, really irresponsible of you. apology later. This was Doug talking about the roster. It's either it's one of two things. It's, this is a black or white. It's either underperforming or it's a poor roster. And that's on me again. I'm hoping it's underperforming. And if it is, then we can work together and get out of it. If it's not underperforming, this is just the ability that they have. Then we're going to get to that part I don't want to get to, was to seeing, you know, can we place certain players in different groups and try and gain assets to to go into a uh, re-whatever. So that was the rebuild, retool conversation that he had. We can point at Craig Berube and say, because we got a couple of texts on the Air Comfort Service text line saying, Alex, it's not a question of should Berube be fired. It's a question of is he the right coach for this scheme for the team? My rebuttal to that would be what was the difference last year when the team found a way to play the style to have success in the postseason and get into the postseason? What was the difference in the bubble year where they had a lot of younger players, some veterans in there, but they found ways to have success? But you can point at Barubi, you can point at Doug Armstrong, who has put this team in a position like this also with some of the roster decisions. But this isn't going to go anywhere until the players commit to playing the right way. And this was that Barry Trotz quote talking about Nikita Kucherov with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Never dumped the puck in in 2019. The team lost in the first round to Carolina. 2020, he was one of the best players in terms of dumping and chasing the method that they needed to win the Stanley Cup. Sooner or later, you can bring in as many head coaches that you want. You can bring in as many voices that you want. You can bring in as many talented players as you want. But if whatever system they're trying to have success with is not being utilized on the ice, you're going to see this an awful lot. And that, I think, is the bigger issue for this Blues team. And we'll discuss more about that side of it because I think leadership is another area that you can bring into the conversation. So we'll get to that at about 1230. But coming up next... Is this the most pivotal season for the Cardinals since 2016? We'll discuss that here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Thompson and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Alex Ferrario. Coming up in 15 minutes, we'll get into leadership possibly being a problem for the Blues, specifically one player that's not on the team this season. But now, wanted to discuss because... Was it Petro? It was Petro, Maroon, Bowmeister, Sunquist. There's a lot going on. A lot of names we can throw into that uh, blender and see which one comes out. But Tanner brought this one up to both of us. It was way to, way to, way to screw the pooch on that one, Stay Alex. Tuned. Would never. Do that. <laughs> Tanner brought this one up to us, BT, and he asked, "Could this be the most pivotal season?" since 2016 for the Cardinals. And to play into that, ESPN earlier today 
dropped a ranking having the Cardinals lineup as the second best in the majors. So give them the World Series trophy now. Who was number one? Let's say it all together at the same time. Three, two, one. Slam Diego. Oh, I went with the the team name. Sorry. You went Slam Diego. Slam Diego. That's what it said on the article headline, so I was just going to do it. ESPN said the lineup for the Cardinals already deep, got even longer with the offseason addition of Contreras. Cardinals are projected to have six players in the 90th percentile or better by OPS plus the most of any club in the majors. So that, on top of the excitement for these young players, BT, coming into this season, does it make this the most pivotal season for the Cardinals? Yeah, and the, the reason, like, you go back to, like, 2016, uh, that was the beginning of a three-year stretch of them not making the postseason. That was Matt Holiday's last year with the organization. Remember the following year in 2017? Cardinals had a specific need. They needed a center fielder, and they needed a leadoff hitter. How did they fill that? They went and signed Dexter Fowler to a deal that uh, it, it wasn't a great one. It didn't end up uh, being a great deal for the Cardinals getting Dex. So it was three years in a row of not making the postseason. So pivotal, I use it two different ways here, talking about a pivotal season. Because the Cardinals are, are not at risk right now with the nucleus that they have of missing the postseason in three years. But what makes it so pivotal is all of these other players that ESPN is looking at and saying, man, these guys could be really good. The difference is O'Neal, Carlson, Newt Bar, Gorman, Yepes. These are all, and that's not even putting in the 20-year-old Jordan Walker yet. Right. Like, And I hope that Jordan Walker is there right at the beginning of things. But this lineup right now with the three guys in the middle of it that we mentioned in Arenado, Goldie, and Contreras, It'll carry you like that. That is good. You get a couple of guys like Newt who gets on base at a high clip, like Donovan who gets on base at a high clip. You got Tommy Edmond who will likely hit a little bit later in this lineup that hits doubles, that steals a lot of bases. There should be a lot of movement on the base pass for the Cardinals. Like they'll be fine, especially in this division with that. But the the pivotal part of it is who takes the next step. Like who is the pony that's actually going to show you who they are? Is twenty twenty one Tyler O'Neill? Can he be anything like that guy? Or or was that just a crazy anomaly? And I know a lot of people are yelling right now, anomaly. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it is. Uh, but because he's too muscular, BT. I don't know if it's the muscles. Maybe. I don't know. I've never been muscular. You know so what I, doesn't pull? What? Fat. You know what? I thought that too. But then I went to fantasy camp. And I'm not like in the best shape in the world. I'm not in awful shape. Uh, but I pulled both my hamstrings. Both Right now, my back of my hammies are black and blue. All wow. the way down like past my knee. Both of them. Well, it was those big bases. That's six inches made a difference. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. Except for neither one of them happened while I was hitting a base. You know, <laughs> one was when I was fielding a ground ball going to the side. I I, I stopped, made a good play, made a great play, uh, and then popped the left hammy. And then the other one was in between third and home in the championship game. And oh. uh, it was like Sniper just came up and shot me. You're, you know, when you're running and then you stand drops. straight up. Uh, ah! <laughs> uh, so, yes, ah! in fact, you can pull things when you're not in the best shape either. But, guys, like that's the way that I look at this season. I look at this team is good. They won 93 games last year, won the division. I get it. The postseason didn't go the way that everybody planned it to in Q. Sorry about it. Everybody's going on vacation. They're a very good team. They have a chance to be great. And if some of these players, if more than one of these guys steps up 
and especially you have the other three guys doing what you believe them to do, all of a sudden you're talking about not just winning the division, but you're talking about potentially a 100-win team who could get a bye, which is a beautiful thing nowadays with the new postseason format. Yeah, I look at this team. I agree. They're a really good team. They're going to win the Central Division even if they have flaws. It comes down to if their outfield ends up becoming what we thought it was originally, where two years ago we thought the outfield was solved. And then after last season you went, oh, boy, there's a lot of question marks that remain in that outfield, even with the the glut of outfielders that they have. They need people to kind of emerge from it and take the reins and run with it. And if everything hits for the Cardinals, yeah, they're going to be a really great team. And and this is kind of the this is kind of where I got the idea of this segment was this feels like what can be the beginning of the winning window where it just accelerates. It's not a slow build up into this winning window. It just takes off when if all these key players end up hitting or it ends up kind of sputtering back a little bit to where if you have a massive issue with the outfield where you don't know what the future of your outfield holds because Tyler Tyler O'Neill does not go back to the 2021 form of, him, of himself. Carlson is more of just a platoon bat at best. Bite Lars, your tongue. Lars Newbar is God, a fourth outfielder. A Jordan Walker's not a not ready for the majors, not yet. I'm not saying he's gonna be a bad player, but but if all those issues occur, oh, and by the way, I haven't even mentioned if Jack Flaherty's not an ace, like they're still in a winning window, but it's gonna be kind of sputtering for the next you know, couple of years, in the, my opinion. The the funny part with that is too, and again, like Goldie is not getting younger. Are not none of us getting younger. I mean, let's be honest. It's that's true. how this world works. Uh, but I you, found a gray hair the other day. You have a, just yeah, one, huh? Just one. I'm starting to find brown ones uh, at this point. That's where <laughs> nice. I get my hair cut now, and I look down. I go, Who, whose hair is that? That is not my <laughs> hair. There is no way uh, that that is mine. But but the way that. It, just kind of talking about how this team could find themselves in the middle of things, even if those things take off for you offensively, and you're like, okay, here we go. Here's here's that, that part of this window. We're going to bust right through it. We're going to be good to go. Then you look at your pitching next year and say, oh, I've only got Steven Matz under contract for next year. Now, that's something they might end up fixing in spring training. Maybe it's a Jordan Montgomery deal. I don't know what that ends up looking like. He's made $10 million in arbitration. He has Scott Boris as his agent. Maybe he wants to go out there and test the market. I believe that Miles Michaelis should be back. I, I think that that's one that you would want to keep in the organization. I feel like he's a really good fit and especially for a young staff but they're in a bit of a middle part right now where they don't have a bunch of young pitchers that are ready to like take over these roles and like there's excitement around Gordon Graceffo and I'm looking forward to seeing him in spring training and certainly even further down the road Tink Hans and like the, don't get the clock started on Tink Hans just yet you're <laughs> gonna see him in spring you're like hot damn this guy's great he's gonna need a little bit more time like he's not big league ready but there are some questions, but there's also a your floor for this Cardinal team is pretty darn high. The question is, where is the ceiling? Well, I, well real quick, Alex, I was going to ask BT this because I the reason I don't have as much and I'm not saying you had concern there with the pitching moving forward, but you did bring up a good point of they've only got one starter. The reason I don't look at that and go, could that be a possible issue that ends up like sputtering this winning window a little bit, as I was saying, yeah. is because of what I've seen Moan, his staff, be able to fix the pitching staff on the fly the last couple of seasons where they brought in and look it was lesser names I'm not saying they should be going into 2023 with like a bunch of John Lester's and Jay Haps but they did a really good job of fixing the pitching staff sure. on the fly so I, I maybe it's just recency bias to where I look at it and go you know what I know the staffs about can evaluate pitching they can lock up someone on an extension maybe Hudson's a guy that they think can take that next step maybe they I, I have I feel comfortable that they can fix the pitching the offense is the one where I've looked at over recent years and said, okay, yes, they did get Arnado, they did get Goldie, they've now signed Contreras, but other than that, they haven't really 
developed anybody internally that's really taken that next step. And it's always been a lot of what ifs on the offense. Pitching wise, the what ifs have been injuries, but when those what ifs have occurred, they've been willing, willing and able to fix the pitching staff on the fly. It's funny how it worked too with the organization. For the longest time, it was it was pitching, right? It was the pipeline of just pitching, pitching, pitching. There's always arms. The Cardinals drafting pitching. You knew first five rounds they're drafting arms. Like that's kind of the way that they were going about it. Well, the organization did not have those high end offensive players, so they switched, right? They ended up shifting gears and going high end offense. So that's where your DCs coming in. And, and that's where even a, a shot on a guy like Delvin Perez didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. But but that's where that comes. That's Jordan Walker. That's Mason Wynn. So I, I think that you're starting to see these guys graduate, and you're starting to see a guy like Jordan Walker knocking at the door. You hope he he is a part of things. And, and uh, we've talked about this comp before, uh, I think. And this is, uh, this again, just thinking very realistically. When you're looking at Jordan Walker, you're looking at ceiling. Ceiling is Aaron Judge. You know, oh, we're floor, going straight to Aaron Judge. Floor, that's ceiling. That's as high as he gets. MVP. Why not um, like floor? I don't know. Giancarlo Stanton. Like, that's what you've got. <laughs> like, you've got something really special in Jordan Walker. What's Again, the I'm not trying to oversell there? him. I know that you always say, oh, Cardinal Media, they oversell guys. I gave you a ceiling and a floor. You're a homer. And there are a couple of players in between there, like Mike Trout. Um, so that's kind of what you're dealing with with, with these guys. Uh, but there is going to have to, in my opinion, there's going to be have to have to be a shift back to pitching. And like high upside arms, because the Cardinals are not going to find themselves in a position, I don't believe, where they're spending 35 to 40 million dollars to get that ace that we keep saying that they need. They're going to have to draft and develop that guy. Is it strange that I look at this team and I say that the winning window seems to be opening for the offense, but pitching feels like it's the final ride? Meaning Uh, you've got what we've talked about, only having one guy under contract, but you might be changing the entire identity of a pitching staff from what it's been over the last five to six years. For sure. No, you, you, that's a lot. Like you, Generally, you don't set up contracts where they're all being uh, gone at the same time. Like, it's a, a difficult one. So there is uncertainty there. I believe there has to be a plan right now, and it's maybe the extensions that we were talking about with different players. Right. But the Cardinals find themselves firmly in a winning window. They, they've been to the postseason four years in a row. Like I understand that you're upset that they've Can't fallen short. Can't get past short. the wild card I round, get BT. It. I get it. I understand. Although one of those years you did. You lost in the NLCS. You got a buzzsaw. Boy, offense didn't show up. I get it. I, I understand. Damn Anibal to Sanchez. The, to the eventual champions who, uh, you know, Sanchez, pretty good pitcher uh, then. Uh, What's but, he doing? Is he freedom next year? I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. He's he's somewhere <laughs> doing something. Uh, but you're in the winning window right now. How do you make sure that stays wide open? Again, it's O'Neal, it's Carlson, it's Newt, it's Gorman, it's Jeppes, it's Burleson. It's all of these different guys that could be that next level on this lineup. And it's knowing that you have the veterans and Goldie and Arenado, that veteran leadership that you're moving forward with. We'll talk more about Jordan Walker coming up in the 1 o'clock hour because uh, Ryan Ludwig had some really strong words about Jordan Walker, but so did uh, the uh, the prospect pool for MLB Network as he was ranked fairly high. So we'll get into that at 115. Uh, 15 minutes, we've got the junk drawer. But coming up next, leadership, is that a concern for the Blues? We talked Barubi, we talked Armstrong, but what about the players in the core that they have? We'll touch on that next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I, 
I guess I could say it again that uh, the next permanent head coach, if we're having this conversation, will be core players gone. Uh, but I guess if I've said that once, I wouldn't believe it either. But <laughs> I, I truly believe it this time is that we've we we transferred into a to a different group. That group isn't three people. That group's eight or nine people, in my opinion. And they have to they have to get us out of this. We need our best players to be our best players on a much more consistent basis. Context to that quote from Doug Armstrong, that was back in 2018. I went back into the archives, BT, because we started the conversation a couple of segments ago that has the team quit on Craig Berube. And we heard Doug Armstrong state that the coach is not the problem. This is on the players. And it was the exact same sentiment that Doug Armstrong made back in 2018 when they fired Mike Yo and had the press conference for Craig Berube. What are you leading to? I'm I don't like what to. you're doing. This has nothing to do with the head coach and everything to do with the players. But last time they fired the head coach and won a Stanley Cup. So you're saying that they should do it again? I thought that's what you were leading to. Well. You just pulled audio from right before they fired the coach. That's what we call in the business of the old switcheroo. Yeah, well, look over here. <laughs> I was not expecting that. The reason I brought this up and the reason I grabbed that audio is you heard him at the end of it. We're not going to do this again. When we get a new head coach, a permanent head coach, we're going to change the players, the core pieces they have to perform. That's what I look at when I see this team. I don't look at have they quit on Craig Berube. I look at why are the veteran players having these issues and why aren't the younger players stepping into that role that they want? And look, sometimes that is not an easy task to do, especially at the NHL level, heck, in any professional sport. But look at the New Jersey Devils who are just starting to actually perform right now. The younger players had to go through some bad years. But what does it mean if we're this concerned right now with this team, with the potentially exits of Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko and Ivan Barbashev, you're plucking pretty much every piece off of that Stanley Cup roster that we attribute the leadership core to. Leadership might become an issue for this team after yeah. this season if you're relying on Shen, Pareko. Those guys were a part of the Stanley Cup championship. Sada's won a Stanley Cup championship. But what about Falk? What about Booch? What about Thomas? What about Cairo? you might have more issues in terms of finding the right leadership group in a locker room than you're worried about the coach or the talent going into next season. You see, that might be where they end up focusing a lot. Like, there are a lot of things. So when Robert Thomas, and I'm not saying this is the case or isn't the case, right? Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, they both signed these big deals. And we always talk about it in sports. So with big contracts and big money come big responsibilities. And that certainly is the case. Your responsibility, number one, is to go be the player that they gave that contract to just go out there and get it done on the ice. And the hope is when you have a player as young as Thomas and as young as Jordan Cairo, that they continue to grow and they continue to develop. You're giving money down the road, but we always uh, attach this. And I remember we talked to Robert Thomas uh, on the fast lane, like, like when he signed, it's like, all right, do you feel like you're going to, you know, grow into a more leadership role? And he gave the business answer and said, yeah, that's what, that's the goal. Like, that's what I want to do. Not everybody's a leader too. Like that's something that it doesn't mean you're not a good player. It doesn't mean you're not a good teammate. Like some guys are just not comfortable with that moniker. So just because you have a contract or you're making the money, like it doesn't mean that you have to be the guy. But what you have to do as a coaching staff and as an organization from a leadership standpoint, from from a front office standpoint, is you have to identify that. And you have to know what you need to bring in and who you need to bring in. Like I, I think, again, and, uh, Alex, you're a hell of a lot closer to this Blues team than I am. I don't think that there's any question that Brady and Shen is a very good leader. Absolutely. Like uh, Ryan O'Reilly, incredible leader. I know the season hasn't gone his way. They they have some guys, 
but you can never have too much of it. Mm-hmm. Like there, there are these complete players uh, that that have a, can help you on the ice, and maybe fill a, a hole for you, but also bring in that leadership ability. And there's different ways to lead. You just mentioned it. Like not everybody is a vocal leader. Some guys are quiet leaders. Like Ryan O'Reilly, I. I Looking at this team, they have a lot of quiet leaders. Braden Shen is a, I'm going to show you how to play rather than tell you how to play. Ryan O'Reilly is the exact same way. Robert Thomas told the opening drive that he he doesn't feel comfortable all the time speaking up as a leader on the team. Colton Pareko is not the most vocal player in the room, nor is Justin Falk. The problem comes with this, BT, and you can speak to this, of being around a professional team in a locker room. It's not easy to to acquire somebody or sign somebody that's not a part of a team to come into a group of players that have been together for a few years and say, go get them. You're our leader now. Rile them up a little bit. Like you can't go find and people always go back to Pat Maroon and say, Pat Maroon was that guy. He never wore a letter, but he was a leader in that room. Yeah, but it's not easy for a guy to step into a locker room and turn it into, all right, boys, because Joe Vitale's told me multiple times as a hockey team, you can read through that BS immediately. Oh, for sure you can. Like, you know when a guy is playing a role and you know when it is truly heartfelt and they mean it and that's just kind of who they are. And the interesting part about this is we were having the conversation earlier and we played the audio of Tarasenko and Kairou and Craig Berube getting into it on the bench, at least a little verbal altercation back and forth with those guys. Craig Berube is very vocal. Like, he is going to let you know what he Very thinks. Honest. He's going to be barking. He's going to be honest because he, and honesty as a player, again, never played hockey, but just as an athlete, honesty is what you want. What, what do you want from me? I know that if I'm giving it to you, then we should be good. If I'm not, I know why you're pissed off at me. Like, honesty can be a good thing. But when your head coach is the vocal leader all the time, that's where it ends up wearing thin a little bit. You mentioned, uh, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, Shen, Pareko, none of these guys that are going to be that that chirping vocal leader that's there, kind of the guy that it seemed like David Perron was a lot more. If, if it's always the head coach, you're going to fracture those relationships because it's just like a parent. You yell at your kid over and over again. At some point, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Well, and you mentioned Perron and I told Tanner this morning when we were prepping the show, we might have overlooked the impact that David Perron provided this team off of the ice. We all know the, the on ice product of David Perron, the power play was so much better. You had the offense. He and Ryan O'Reilly clicked. So you knew you had that dynamic duo. The on ice product was always there. Yeah. But every week when he joined Carriker and Smallman last season, BT, and you've used the audio on the fast lane, we use it on BK and Ferrario. He would come on and he would state, we are not playing playoff caliber hockey. We need to play playoff caliber hockey. Well, not this year. You probably don't. Not this year. Not this year is a Connor Bedard caliber hockey. So you, that's the hard part. You don't even suck hard enough for Bedard. You're just in the middle of the pack you're for mid- some guy named Jack. Like, that's where you're at right now. Yeah, Jack would be great right now. Not Why not Eichel. get a Jack? It's not Eichel. <laughs> not Eichel. Not Hughes. You don't get any of those guys. David Perron was that vocal guy. And I feel like he was the last of the vocal guys on a team that could stand up and call players out and tell players, look, Braden Shen has done that. Joe Vitale's talked to me about how Shen has pulled Kairou aside to talk to him about how there's certain areas you need to be better with. But when you've got a guy like David Perron, who's not afraid to be vocal to the media about the team struggles and not afraid to chirp a guy if he's not getting back to the bench fast enough or making the right play, when you lose that, you might be in for a longer haul of trying to turn things around than what we believed. And again, 
no surprise here, Captain Obvious, you missed up on not bringing back a David Perron. But I wonder if the ramifications that not having David Perron has impacted that locker room more than we gave it credit. I'm sure it did. And you, you always expect that you have somebody there to fill the void, and it doesn't appear that they have had that. This team, uh, Alex, they desperately need, they need an all-star break, something bad. Uh, and they need a random bar that uh, pops out a song. In Philly? That's what they you need. You think so? I think they need a new place. Can't be Philly. It's got to be somewhere else. No. They need something. They need a little bit of unity because it doesn't look like anybody's playing for the blue note. It just looks like we're just out here. We're just uh, let's skate around. Is it done yet? Are we done? Like, that's what it looks like right now. It feels that way, they too. A little, they need a little unity. We need a, we need a just, good... Just oh, get we, together. We just... <laughs> Just get together. We, we came up Unity. With, came up with the Beach Boys song last year. You know, what was the Beach Boys song? Uh, it was Good Vibrations. You know, when yeah. they wore the swimsuit out in uh, Minnesota when it was freezing cold outside. Well, sing it for me, T Bone. Maybe I'm not as familiar. I'm picking up good vibrations. He's picking up good vibrations. Why'd you go as Cookie yeah, I was Monster say, the first time? Which one? It's supposed to be a deeper voice. Which, right? <laughs> which one of those voices sound more normal for T Bone? Do it again. I'm picking up good vibrations. He's picking up good vibrations. Oh, the alto. Yeah, 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 this is the second one. one. You're the alto of the group. Maybe it's okay, soprano. Buddy. I'm not sure. Mm, you know. Which one is that? Alto, soprano? Soprano's the highest, isn't it? Yeah. Well, regardless. Oh, I soprano was the lowest. Air, no, bass is the lowest. Yeah, bass is the lowest. Bass would be what? BT you know what? Uh, Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Give us uh, the order from lowest to highest. Tanner uh, the, being uh, the, the tenors. Is that what it's called? Oh, my yeah, God. I it would be the right. tenors because of the tanner. Welcome but, to the tanners. But it may shock you. I was invited to the uh, high school choir group. That doesn't shock me at all. They needed somebody to sing tenor in that group. Warm bodies. Tanner Hendrickson, Brad Thompson, and Alex Ferrario. We've got our NFL quick hitters and our NFL pick them for the upcoming weekend. Not a whole lot of games, so you got to get right. And BT, we didn't tell you this. You're filling in for the punishments for BK not being here. Awesome. So we'll uh, probably have to have... BT do some of those punishments. Maybe done the, and done. Maybe the body issue. We'll find out with that. We got the junk drawer coming up next here on 101 That's ESPN. Hot. We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The junk drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to you by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trust wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week. Alongside Brad Thompson and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Alex Ferrario. We've got our NFL Pick'em Challenge for this weekend and our NFL Quick Hitter segment coming up next. But now we dive into the junk drawer. T-Bone, what do you got for us today? Guys, we've been talking about how hungry we are lately, you know? Well, we tried to avoid that because I, we got an hour left. I got thanks. a Pop-Tart a couple yeah, breaks I, I, ago. I just went to the break room. I got a little beef uh, jerky stick. So. Oh, you went beef there jerky. There was one yeah. in there for quite some time. I mean, oh, it had to be months on end. Yeah. It, but it was a turkey jerky. Ooh. Oh, that's not what mine was. I don't think uh, I was like, who who's gonna who's gonna buy that? Nothing better than the But then the, it went. Nothing better than the trail mix when you're hungry. Costs you like a buck. Yeah, pretty good. Just fills you up. Those nuts yeah. takes care of it the rest of the day. You know what we should have done though? We should order some Uber Eats. We should have gotten love something. Me some Uber Eats. Maybe some uh, uh I don't know, pizza. We'd go to get some emos or something, bring it in here via Uber Eats. Now, Uber Eats great. I don't know if I would be doing it at a basketball game, though. Why and, not? And well, you know, it's better than the uh, food that you got to pay for. That's that's fair, but I, I, you know, you probably don't want to order it when you're sitting courtside and the guy's got to try finding you, because uh, that happened the other night. And I just want you guys to hear this audio. We'll let it go into the bench, and Loyola would take over ten minutes before we get a stoppage. 
And we've got an official's timeout. Somebody came on the floor on the far side looking for an Uber Eats delivery or something there. He's carrying some McDonald's. Oh, this has to be one of the all-time uh, I'm greats. actually not kidding. No, I, no, I this think, is the I truth. I think that's what's happening. This guy's in the corner. looked like he – was he going to deliver the, the McDonald's to somebody on the court? Can we rule that out? He's <laughs> – I mean <laughs> – I think that's an Uber Eats sticker. Is that I, what that is? I'm trying to get confirmation. Uh, yeah. Uber Eats, yes. Maybe I'll put my hand up. I'm getting a little hungry. You can bring it over here. I hate to burst your bubble. Yeah? T-Bone, this is fake. Nah, it can't be. This is fake. This was a uh, a TikToker, the kids call it, BT. A talker. Those talkers get you every time. Get a microphone and here's, everything. So here's how you knew it was fake, okay? And I think that this resonates with anybody that has been around because customer service is not that good anymore. Like there is nobody that's going to fight that hard to find you. And because like initially, like if there was like a little thought of that being true, when I saw this yesterday, I go hot damn. If I ran a corporation, I'm hiring that dude. Absolutely. Because there was no, no, like he probably had a lie to get into the building or at the very least was persistent because security, I don't care what arena you're going to usually pretty darn good to be able to get in. And then like he completes his task. Doesn't matter what's going on in front of them. That's the kind of guy that I want to hire. Unfortunately, it's not true, and we're back to bad customer service. You build a great business slogan that says, we won't stop until we get you your food. Yes. No matter what. The guy, I mean, you Game can, on. You could tell it kind of looked a little fake because oh, yeah. the kid looked scared when he was standing on the court, but he also looked confused. And no Uber Eats driver, and I know a couple, no Uber Eats drivers, are going to walk into a building where there's an ongoing basketball game and say, well, I might as well walk onto the basketball cart and try and figure out the guy this goes to. That, that's the reason I thought it was fake from the beginning was because he just, like, strolls. It's, it's not like the basketball was on the other end of the floor and he happens to be just, like, cutting corners, you know, and walks across the floor. No, he's, like, cutting corners while the basketball's right in front of him. So, like, no Uber East driver, even if you don't watch a game of basketball, would know to walk right in front of the game. Good or bad publicity for Uber Eats for something Fantastic. like this? The guy in charge of Uber Eats is like, hell yes. Any press is good press, man. You get one. Well, there, there are limits. <laughs> uh, but, but there are, uh, if your name is out there on something like this, that gets the bell ringing. By the way, every time you say Uber Eats, I guarantee you right now you're going to flip through your phone and Uber Eats is going to pop up because they're listening. They're always listening to what you say. So Uber Eats just made m- 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 millions out of this little this stuff. That's why I don't have one of those uh, Alexas in my house. Doesn't matter. Your phone's listening. You got an iPhone. It's listening all the time. I don't like Does that. Does that not happen that to you all the time? You talk about something random and then you're scrolling through yeah. Instagram or through Facebook or through Twitter and then that happens to be the ad that pops up. It is exactly what you were talking about a few minutes ago. So before my wife and I booked our trip to Disney World, which we were going next week, taking our daughters, we were talking about like, should we do this? Should we not do this? We said, well, let's sleep on it. I got an alert on my phone from Disney World. It was Look an email. Yeah. It was, Mickey it, it himself. It was Mickey himself that sent the email. It was an email that said, book your Disney trip today. What the hell's going on? Did we? Uh, here's my question with this. As uh, they're listening to all of our conversations. Right now. Smarter people than us uh, that, are, uh, that are listening. Did I opt into something? Did yeah. I just say yeah, yes just... to something on a long thing that I should have read where it's like, oh, and by the way, we can listen to every single one of your conversations and then just push you uh, just, just data and information and commercials. Did I say yes to something I should not have said yes to? And if I did, can I go back and say no to it now? And, ding, and bingo, you can't get out of it. 
Once you're in it, you can't get out of it. Chris freaking Kerber, when I hosted with him last year, signed me up for a Goat Journal Daily website. Guess what? A year later, can't get out of the damn subscription. That is so bad. Really? A goat no. Daily Journal. You know what? You and well, I need... There's not an unsubscribe There's button? an unsubscribe, and I've hit that button so many times in the last 365 days, so, BT. I will say this, uh, and I don't think that's very nice no. for him to have done that to you. You can't just graze past it. I still, to this day, sign up Anthony Reyes for different emails. Like, if I'm at a place <laughs> like, hey, can I get your email? He's like, absolutely, you can. And I give him Anthony Reyes' email. Why? I don't know if it's changed. Uh, I, I did it to him back when we were playing. I used to just sign him up for stuff, and I just keep it going. So he gets, like, ran. He's like, <laughs> have you never, ever heard from yeah, him? He's like, I never went to that. No, he doesn't know I'm so doing instead, it. So instead of using, like, I, I have, like, three emails. I have a Gmail. I don't use the Gmail. So anytime it's like, oh, sign up for something. Like, okay, here, you have my Gmail. I'm not going to look at it. I don't care. But you just use another person's yeah. email. That's great. Yeah. I, think we need to, I think we need to text Anthony and find out if we're still getting those emails. Like, Why am I getting all these things for the greater St. Louis area? I'm never there. <laughs> I'm in L.A. I've been in St. Louis for, what, 10 years now? What are friends for? You're a great friend. You know what I mean? You know that? You're yeah. keeping him in the loop with I, St. What Louis. What would be great is Always if he's gotten one of those emails and he's went, hey, I can actually use one of those. <laughs> Start signing up. It's like, oh, thanks for a random person who signed me up for this email. You got a text that says, uh, this is how my uh, ex-wife used to give me hints for presents. She would Google them and then it would show up in my news feed on my phone as an ad. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Smart. That's the way to go. Find ways to even take advantage of Christmas Apparently thanks to technology. He didn't, uh, he didn't buy those presents. Well, Tanner, ladies and gentlemen fell for another uh, fake moment in sports history. Have you been catfished before? You've been no, catfished. He's, Alex is trying to throw I've, I have uh, never me under been the catfished. bus. Never. Literally last week, I got a text from, oh, wow, look at this report. And then five seconds later, it was, oh, wait, that's oh, yeah. a fake Twitter Those account. Those fake Twitter accounts get you every once in a while. It's damn blue check marks now. Yeah, no, I got hit by Grobot. We had a fake trade a couple of years ago. It had Jeff Passan's name on it. <laughs> hey, his face. Oh. Certainly wasn't him. That's though. all right. I announced the Alex Petrangelo extension in the middle of uh, Ribs and BK. <laughs> that one was fake. Got you every time. <laughs> Tanner Hendricks and Brad Thompson. I'm Alex Ferrario coming up in 15 minutes. Jordan Walker's getting some high praise, and now he's on a really, a really. He's high on a really good list, according to MLB Network. So we'll get into that. We've got one's got to go coming up at 1:30. But coming up next, our NFL quick hitter segment here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. NFC Championship games this weekend. Don't forget, you can hang out with us over at Helen Fitzgerald on a Sunday. Join members of the 101 crew, Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Ellisville for the AFC and NFC Championship game. Televisions, food, drinks, music. We've got a ton of giveaways throughout the day. We kick the bash off at 11 a.m. with a live pregame show broadcast uh, leading you up to kickoff of the first game, and we end it after that champion is crowned in the AFC game. So we hope to see you out Sunday. Helen Fitzgerald for the championship bash brought to you by Car Shield, Bud Light, and David Taylor Dodge Jeep Ram in Ellisville. Alongside Brad Thompson and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. So, BT, let's hit our NFL pick, and we'll get to some quick hitters coming up. But look at both games. We'll start with the early one as we go 49ers at the Eagles. It currently is sitting minus 2.5 for Philadelphia, and the over-under at 46.5. So where do you want me to start? With which side of this game that I'm on? Let's start with 
the spread, and then we'll go with the over-under. We'll all right. go all three of well, us. Well, I'm taking the 49ers uh, to win this one. I, I believe that they uh, – I, I know that if I'm picking a quarterback, usually I go with this. Like, who's the most talented player on the field? Like, Jalen Hurts or, or Brock Purdy? It's pretty apparent who that guy is, I think. But what Kyle Shanahan has done in this offense that he has built is – it doesn't matter who they plug and play. They get it done. That defense is so stout for the 49ers. Uh, I believe that uh, I believe they get it done. I've got uh, the 49ers, and it, it was Ben Heisler who we had on mm-hmm. yesterday, right? He said he believed that the Eagles were going to win by at least a touchdown, right? He's wrong. I'm going Smart. with the 49ers to win this game. Okay. I'm going with the Eagles in this one. I, I think we saw last week Brock Purdy is human and has his flaws that teams can expose. Think and about when you sorry, Mr. Perfect. I was going to say, think about what you just said there. Brock Purdy is human, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody would have believed but, but that. No, I, I say that because everybody was like, oh, look at him. He's, he's the next starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. I think he struggles this weekend against Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia, we had a question, I think it was yesterday or two days ago. That was, you know, can you see one of these games that end up being a double-digit win for one of the teams? I think this might be that game. I think the Eagles win this one. I think it's going to be 21-10, 28-10, somewhere in that range. I think San Francisco's defense keeps it close early on, but San Francisco's offense is going to struggle. The defense is going to be out on the field, get worn down. So I, I like the Eagles minus two and a half in this one. So you're taking the under two? Yeah, I'm going under as well. Will you take the under? So I'm going the under as well. I, I believe that the final score is going to be 23-20, Sam Fran. Look at you. 23-20. I'm taking the Eagles. I'm going to back our guy, Benny Heist, and I know you said he's wrong, BT, but he's uh, he's helped me a lot this season. I do believe the Eagles are the better all-around team in terms of offensive line, their defense, although San Francisco's got damn good defense. Um, and I'm going to just back Jalen Hurts and what he's been able to accomplish, plus that running game to have three different guys that you can use throughout the game. Uh, so I'm going to take Eagles minus two and a half. I'm actually going to take the over in this one because I think offenses are going to shine in this. Then you get to the other game, the exciting one for a lot of people, the AFC Championship. The Chiefs hosting the Bengals. The Chiefs currently sitting at one and a half. This has jumped back and forth to where the Bengals are the favorite. It's been wild they watching started, this. Uh, the line started way too heavy on the Chiefs two and side. a half Chiefs. I think three even oh, right it three? off the bat. Because it jumped to, Phil- or to Cincinnati a couple of days ago, and now it's jumped back after the practice yesterday for Patrick Mahomes. Every time we see video, the line moves. Like, oh, Mahomes is okay. <laughs> oh, He's moving well. That ankle, if it looks good again today, it's going to be sitting back at probably two and a half on this. But the over-under is also set at 48. So, BT, where are you going with this one? I'm going Chiefs in the over. I, I do believe uh, look, it's risky with the ankle because it looked like a really bad injury that, uh, that that he sustained, but he bounced back from it. Uh, I just believe that uh, three times in a row is pretty impressive. Like Joe Burrow and the Bengals have taken down the Chiefs. I don't think they get them four times. I don't think they get them in their house again. This team, to me, is just far too talented. It's going to be a juggernaut. Like This game yeah. is going to be great, and that's why I'm taking the over, too. I think it's going to be a shootout, but I see some Mahomes magic at the end of it where he makes one of those crazy Crazy plays where he scrambles even on the bad ankle, drops down three quarters, and then finds Kelsey in there for a touchdown or something. I, I just feel like that's the way it goes down. I'm going with Kansas City. Kelsey's going to be the biggest issue in this game for Cincinnati, and if they find a way to eliminate him, I think they come out on top. I take Bengals plus one and a half, but I'm with you on the over. I think this is also going to be a shootout between both teams. This seems like what we saw in that Bills-Chiefs game last year to where it came down to two runs with less than two minutes where Allen got it, drove downfield, Mahomes gets it and drives downfield, and then you get an overtime and Bills lose because of uh, cheating. So, I, yeah, 
sure, the overtime rule. Uh, right. I, I, uh, I take the Bengals plus one and a half as well. I think they end up winning this game. I, I just think the injury to Mahomes is too critical. If he's not uh, mobile because he's dealing with this ankle injury, as we saw last week, Jacksonville made it close. I don't want to say they almost beat them because I don't think they truly were in that spot, but they made it close because you, you're limiting Patrick Mahomes. I think they can do that. I think they're going to scheme up. Actually, one of my favorite bets of the weekend is one of the player props, and it's Kelsey under 77 and a half receiving yards. I think they're going to scheme up and say, hey, you're not going to beat us with Kelsey and, and because I've seen them. They did that last year. They eliminated Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey in the second half. I think they're going to do that again this year. They're going to say, use one of your other wide receivers to beat us. I don't think they can do it, and I actually lean towards the under. I, I I think the Bengals, yes, that offensive line is beat up, and sure, they protected Burrow pretty well yesterday or last week. I think it's a different story with this Kansas City defense. We saw them do pretty well against Jacksonville on that defensive front. I think this is going to be under. I, I think we're looking around a Joe Burrow win. I think it's probably going to be like 17-14. I think it's going to be kind of a grinded-out type of affair. So those are our picks, and if you know anything about this show, fade me, follow BT, and follow Tanner Hendrickson. Has that been the trend? Oh, yeah. I've I was been, right around I'm not uh, as bad 53%. as well, I was gonna say BK. BK is, was awful, but I was. He's doing all the punishments. He's a little week. bit higher up than him. Yeah, but, you know, I did that barely eked out to not have to get punished. So You don't have to be faster than the bear. Good so teams win, great teams cover. The That's the way I look at it. So, BK or BT, let's look at this one. What's the Super Bowl matchup you want to see out of this weekend's championship matches? Uh, the the one that I would like to see the most if for entertainment purposes is Chiefs-Eagles, really? actually. And I picked the 49ers in the game, but I think Chiefs-Eagles, just because we know the dynamic playmaker that Jalen Hurts is, I would love to see that against what Mahomes is. Mahomes is a hybrid, right? He can make every throw uh, in, in the in the pocket as well. That's like the, the misnomer, I, I think, with... Uh, with, with Mahomes, we always talk about, all right, well, he's so good. He's so good on the run. When he's out of the pocket. Yeah, well, he's great when he's in the pocket. Like, you're damned if you do, you're damned <laughs> right. if you don't. Jalen Hurts, you know, he can hurt you with the legs. Like, I think from an entertainment standpoint and from a uh, rabid fan base standpoint, I think that's the matchup. Yeah. I, I'm I'm with you on Philly. I want Philly, but I want to see Cincinnati versus Philly. And I don't know where my fascination with the Bengals has come, but... I love the storyline around it, especially getting to the Super Bowl last year when nobody expected you to and then getting beaten and saying, well, that was probably a fluke start of this season. You looked at Cincinnati and said that was not the same team as last year. And then they've gone on the tear. I'd love to see them take down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and go into that because that's about as entertaining of a Super Bowl matchup as you can ask for. The playmakers on Cincinnati's side, the playmakers on Philadelphia's side, those two defenses trying to figure each other out. That would be my preferred matchup. My, mine is Chiefs and Eagles, too. I, I look at it where if you get to the Super Bowl, if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, and I know I picked the Bengals, Patrick Mahomes should be pretty much healthy at that point because he'll have a bye week with the Pro Bowl, and then he'll get that up until Super Bowl Sunday. So he should be, for the most part, fairly healthy. And if he were healthy this weekend, I would be taking the Chiefs. I do think they are the better team. I think just that ankle is a big concern for me, and I think that's how the Bengals are able to win. And then for the Eagles, I, I just think they're the all-around best team that could come out of the NFC. I like the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, though. Again, I, I, Purdy has such limitations. He's not a guy that's going to throw 300 yards. You could see Hurts running the ball. He could run for 100. He could also throw for 300. I think it'd make for a great Super Bowl matchup between the Eagles and Chiefs. Final one, who do you think has the biggest game this weekend, BT? So I, I told you I picked the Chiefs to win, okay? Mm-hmm. But we're talking about an individual, individual here. biggest game. Jamar Chase. And that has been the case against the Chiefs in each one of those games. Like Jamar Chase 
Chase has these monster games. I think they, they uh, was it last time against them, or maybe it was two times ago. He went uh, 11 receptions for like a buck 65 or something like that. I think Jamar Chase has the biggest individual day. The one for me is Devontae Smith. I feel like every every game the Philly goes into, you say, well, A.J. Brown, how are you going to stop him? And now Dallas Goddard gets involved with it, and Miles Sanders is going to be running the ball. Devontae Smith's every game this season, I feel like, has flown under the radar where it's like, oh, shoot, they have him also. Devontae Smith seems to be a guy that has like a two-touchdown performance for Philadelphia. So I'm going to take him as my uh, biggest game. Yeah, I I want to pull away from the quarterbacks because I, I think one of the quarterbacks is going to have a massive game this weekend. Uh, my, mine is, I agree with what BT said. I think Jamar Chase has one of those kind of Justin Jefferson type games where he could have like 150 receiving yards and two touchdowns. I think I think he's going to have a really big game. I, I think it's going to be Jalen Hurts was the guy I was going to say originally, but I wanted to pull away from the quarterback because that's an easy answer. Yeah, I, I think out. it's not his arm that's going to be unbelievable to see. I, I think he's going to rush. Another one of my favorite bets this weekend is over on his rushing yards, 46 and a half. I think he has a big game, uses his legs. They're going to do a lot of that read option, keep the San Francisco 49ers offense guessing. I think his line, if I had to guess, 200 plus throw, uh, passing yards, maybe around that 250 mark. Two touchdowns, one passing, one rushing, and he'll rush for over 100. That's my thoughts on Hurts. Kind of tells you how much uh, they value his running prowess when the over-under for him was, what, 46 and a half, you said? Yeah. And for Miles Sanders, it's 50 and a half. Really? Like that, so you, wow. you have a difference of four between the two. That's crazy. <laughs> That's interesting. So make sure you get on out to Helen Fitzgerald's and hang out with us this Sunday for Championship Bash. Tanner Hendricks and Brad Thompson and Alex Ferrario. Coming up in 15 minutes, we've got One's Gotta Go. It's our favorite time of the week, so you send us three scenarios. We'll tell you which one's got to go. We'll get to that in 15. But coming up next, Jordan Walker, some high praise by a former Cardinal and MLB Network, and also some high praise for a couple of other Cardinals prospects. We'll touch on that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Three nine 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 six four six. That's our air comfort service text line. We've got one's got to go coming up in our next segment. You send us three scenarios. We'll tell you which one's got to go as we wind things down here on a Friday on BK and Ferrario. BT sitting in for BK today. Tanner Hendricks and I'm Alex Ferrario. Jordan Walker continues to get high praise this offseason. And BT, it's no surprise the Cardinals fans are super hyped to see this young player hopefully at the start of this season, but going to see a lot of him at spring training this year and we talked with ryan ludwig a couple of days ago we were talking with him about scott Rowland going into the baseball hall of fame but of course jordan walker has mentioned ludwig's name multiple times in terms of helping him become a pro player so we got ryan ludwig's thoughts on, on what he believes jordan walker's career is going to look like this guy's the limit right like everyone knows this he's uh uh he's superhuman jordan walker is one of the most exciting prospects i've ever seen play the game in my entire life he hits the ball as hard as any young man I've ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, hopefully things keep trending in a positive direction because if they do, um, I truly believe he could be one of the next St. Louis Cardinal Hall of Famers. I, I, I see that, 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 that in his career. 
I really wish that Luddy would stop beating around the damn bush. How good is the kid going to be? That's all we want to know. You know, what is the upside? And, and we set this up a little bit earlier for you, again, because we don't want to build up a kid too much. Then all of a sudden he gets here and the, the expectations are so high. Look, he's got a floor and a ceiling, just like any player. And uh, his, his ceiling is... Aaron Judge. Okay. Just the, throwing a name out there. The floor, Giancarlo Stanton. I My mean, that's God. what you're looking at when it comes to Jordan Walker. Now, MLB.com, they did do their top 100 prospects. Prospect number one comes from the Orioles. Why is that? What you the ask? hell, BT? What? This guy's Aaron Judge. Well, Why no, is he I, not number I, one? Yeah, but not yet. Like, that's the ceiling, right? Uh, and shockingly, the Orioles having, you know, top picks for a really long time. They get good players. Gunnar Henderson comes in at number one. Of course, He's a, a shortstop, third baseman. By the way, they have Jackson Holiday, uh, who I believe was like 11th or somewhere around wow. there in the top 100. Pretty impressive for, for that young man. Corbin Carroll, outfielder for the D-backs, made his debut last year. Francisco Alvarez, catcher for the Mets. He's number three. Number four is Jordan Walker. This is what the crew over at MLB.com, uh, MLB Network, had to say about Jordan Walker. All right, so my guy, That's Steve my Phillips. Guy, Jordan Walker, is unbelievable. I'm telling you, six foot five, 220 pounds, drafted to play third base. Nolan Arenado is going to be there forever in St. Louis. They've moved this kid to the outfield, but this guy is a bat, and we're talking about a monster bat. Watch how he gets the bat out in front and drives the baseball. He has pure, raw, light tower power. This guy can drive it out of any ballpark, anywhere in the ballpark. He can hit from line to line. At double-A this year, hit 306, 388 on base, and a 510 slugging percentage. Here's the thing. The Cardinals got a lot of left-handed bats in the outfield, a lot of young outfielders. That is your National League Rookie of the Year right there in 2023. Wow. Jordan Walker wow. is your National League Rookie of the Year. He will be on the opening day roster, and you will never look back. He is the next superstar hitter. He reminds me of Aaron Judge a little bit, a little Derek Lee, a little Jermaine Dye. He's got a little of all those guys. I'm telling you, Rookie of the Year in the National League this year. This year. Jordan. Steve Phelps going to beat around the bush a little bit more there, BT? Do, do you have it right now, those goosebumps? <laughs> Goose, those tinglies those right there. Pimples. By the way, when they were playing the music, uh, that's when they do in TV. They do highlights. And they were doing highlights of him hitting missiles all over the ballpark to every part of the yard. If you haven't had the opportunity yet, maybe you've seen like a little highlight video on Twitter here or there. But but uh, go Google Jordan Walker. Watch some of the videos that are out there. This is a special, special player. And if you've had the opportunity to like hear him speak, I know uh, uh, Jim Hayes got a chance to sit down with him during the, the winter warm-up. He just gets it too. He just sounds like a pro already. Dude, he does. He's like very well polished already and uh, look, it doesn't matter if you're good at the media right. or not, okay? If you're a great player, you're a great player, but it does check a couple of boxes for you and the kid has got superstar potential and again, that's that's national. I like hearing somebody like Steve Phillips who's been a you know a front office yep. guy, been an executive for years uh, saying something like that so it's not just like uh, us. Like I can hype him up all I want. It's like, ah, oh, well you said that about so-and-so. You said that about this guy, that guy. This is as highly touted of a prospect the Cardinals have had. I, I would say even more highly touted than Oscar Tavares uh, was. Uh, I mean, maybe since Albert. I mean, it really has been that long. The hitting is the part for me I'm most curious about because defensively, we know he was drafted as a third baseman. He got the outfield reps. They'll, they'll use him in a corner outfield spot. Might not be the greatest defender, but he's a good athlete. who cares? He's a really he's good, a really good, good. He's, He got a rocket for an arm, too, by the way. built. 
Arizona Fall League, I think they had him at, it might have been 99. It was at least 96 from the outfield. Was he playing well. more right field or left field at the Arizona Fall League? I think right field. Was it? Okay. Yeah, but he played some center sense. out there too, I think. Like, they bounced Could around. Could he be a center fielder for this team? I don't think that that's your prototypical center fielder. I don't think that he's got necessarily the range and the wheels for it. Mm-hmm. He's going to stick in a corner. He's got the arm to play right for sure. Yeah. Uh, but but who knows? Like, that's the fun part about a 20-year-old prospect like him. And again, 6'5", 220 or whatever he ends up being, he's still growing uh, as a player is you don't know what he's going to turn into. I asked uh, Skip Schumacher last year, uh, who obviously w- was the bench coach for the Cardinals, now is the manager of the Marlins. I said, hey, how's the transition going for him in the outfield? What are the reports? Like, what have you seen? He said, the reports are incredible. And he's like, I'm telling you, dude, he's going to win a gold glove. Wow. Like, like they, that's how high he thinks about that side of, of what he can be yeah. as a player. And, uh, and he's committed to it, too. Like, if you're a young player like Jordan Walker and you got drafted as a third baseman, all you've done, you've played the corner infield your entire life, and you think, okay, this is what I do now. It's a big shock for a lot of guys, even when you get to the professional level, because, by the way, he's a millionaire out of high school, too. Like, like he could just be like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. And they'd be like, okay, well, I guess he doesn't want to no, do that. That's what he wants this, to do. This is what we're doing. <laughs> he took to it. He's like, all right, let's do it. Let me let me dive in and let me really be a part of it. So the top 100, uh, they, had, uh, they had him in the top 100, obviously. Mason Wynn, I believe, came in at number 50. Does that sound right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that Gordon Graceffo was in there like 79. Tink Hens was 77? Yeah. Somewhere around there, and uh, you had Alec Burleson at 91. So that's five, five players guys. that the Cardinals had. I believe that there were a few organizations. One organization might have been Baltimore had like eight players in the top 100. Somebody else had seven. One had six, and uh, Cardinals end up with five. This is a very well-stocked minor league system the Cardinals have right now. But to, I bet we got a lot of texts that said this. Prove it. They got to prove it. And there's going to be time. Like, there's still a lot of time. Again, you've got uh, you got Mason Wynn, who is only 20 years old. Walker's only 20 years old. Uh, Tink Hentz is like 19 or 20. Like, he, mm-hmm. he's very young as well. These are a little bit further down the road. Uh, but you got to love what the Cardinals organization has been able to, uh, to draft. Let's see how they develop at the big league level. Alec Burleson is an intriguing one, too. Really me. is. Because we talked yesterday, BT, of Nolan Gorman and where he fits at Brent. And Donovan is your second baseman, and we talked like your bat plays. It doesn't matter. We'll find a spot for you. Alec Burleson, though, still on this pick, are still on this list where he's top 100 prospect. He was a player that a lot of people continue to talk about his bat. But you also talk about how maybe he's not an outfielder. He's more of a DH position for this team. He's the lefty that you can utilize in a certain position. He's also a pitcher too. Is he a pitcher? Two-way player in college. So we got a Shohei Otani on our bet? Basically, our yeah, basically oh Shohei Otani. So, so ceiling is Shohei. Yeah. Floor is... Babe Ruth? Babe Ruth? I mean, if, if we're really looking for... If we're going <laughs> Sounds way, about right. Way I mean, that makes sense. But you don't know where he's going to play. But if that bat plays, you could see him in a corner outfield spot. You could see him as a DH... But he's another player that is closer than a Mason Wynn and a Graceffo and a Tin Kent, but also a player that even if it's not this season, the expectations are still super high. Yeah, and I think that he's one too uh, at T-Bone, and I'm sure that you guys got a lot of this, where people already made like their their mind up with Alec Burleson. Even though he got like 48 at-bats <laughs> yeah, last yeah. year, it's like, ah, well, that's just what he is. He can't do it in the big leagues. He's only had a couple of years of professional baseball, and all he's done in those couple of years, I think 2021, he played at three different levels. Mm-hmm. He started in eight 
ball, ended up in AAA. All he has done is swing it. He's hit for average. He's hit for power. He is a legit stick, and especially when you got a guy like that that's swinging it from the left side. T-Bone, I think that he could be a guy for you. Yeah, I think he can be too. He he is interesting to keep an eye on because – Last year, you said the small sample size. He did look overmatched last year, but I, I kind of expect that from some rookies that come up. They're they're not going to hit right away. It's about the adjustment period. How's he going to look in year two? And I do think he's going to have a decent year. I, I don't know if he's going to do like he did in uh, Memphis last year where he hits 331 and has an OPS of 905. I don't know if he does that this year, but who knows? He's interesting because like you look at his minor league career, and he's hitting for average of power, as you mentioned, P.T., but there was no buzz about him being someone that other teams were looking at as those trade candidate guys. It was always, oh, well, we like what Lars Newpark can provide. Oh, we really like Brendan Donovan. Not a lot of teams are looking at him, and I, and I don't think that's because that 48-game sample size. I think for whatever reason, he's being overlooked. I do think he can be a solid average hitter for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think he plays perfectly going into the year. He may end up exceeding this role. But going into the year, I think he's the perfect fourth outfielder slash kind of backup first baseman for the Cardinals. Really good platoon a little, player. Yeah, played a little bit of first base last year down in uh, the back part of the season in September. But I, I do like Alec Burleson. I do think he's going to be a pretty good player because I think he does have a pretty good batter's eye. I think last year was just kind of shell shock when he got called up and just overmatched. I, I do think he adjusts and had, plays pretty well. The most intriguing piece of this season, and you're going to see a lot of this in spring training, BT, is the... Uh, Ability to get creative for Ali Marmol to see where certain guys get opportunities because spring training is the experiment process. You want to get the at bats, but you're going to test them out in certain positions and see how they perform. That's the intriguing piece for me because creativity could also open up a lot more opportunities for Ali in the regular season. I would think this Ali would love to get incredibly creative because he's got so many good options. Yeah, like that. That's what spring training is going to be be about. Who in your outfield is hitting? Like that that's the biggest question. I really truly don't believe that there is anybody that is like for sure this is your position. You're starting there. The closest to me is Newt at this point. Like you're for sure in there. Everybody has got something to prove. That's why spring's going to be so impressive. Looking forward to it. He's Brad Thompson, Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Alex Ferrario. Coming up in 15 minutes, we've got our BK and Ferrario rewind, but coming up next, one's got to go. So we close down the week and go head into the weekend. Text us the three scenarios, 314-399-9646. You send us three scenarios. We'll tell you which one's got to go next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is PK and Ferrario. Time now for One's Gotta Go. We offer up the talking points and you get to pick which one's gotta go on 101 ESPN. It is a Friday, which means it is one's got to go time here on BK and Ferrario. BT in for BK. Tanner Hendrickson with us. I'm Alex Ferrario. Let's start here, BT. From the 314, one's got to go NFL Super Bowl edition. Extended pregame shows, the halftime show, or all of the commercials. 
Uh, extended pregame. Whatever. I don't need that build up. I'm probably uh, I'm drinking beer. I'm eating food. <laughs> I'm talking to my friends about the game. Uh, I don't need that. I like the halftime show. I, I like uh, who is. I don't even know who's playing halftime. Rihanna this year. This year. Oh yeah, it is. is Rihanna. Rihanna? I'll be watching Rihanna okay. this year. All right. Well, the, I think those are always good. And uh, the commercials end up being some of the best spots. So yeah. pregame this is the easy. Go-to. I don't know if I've ever watched a pregame of the Super Bowl before. I usually turn it on like right when it begins. Oh, I. I uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's usually you're eating before the game starts yes, and drinking sure. before pre-game the game starts. It might be on in the background for I'm me. Pre-game. Just as yeah, you're yeah. pregame for the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's probably on in the background for me, but it's just because, like, you know, if you have people over for a Super Bowl party and there's nothing on the TV, you have to actually talk to them. They so. do great features. There's all kinds of, like, cool stuff. Get to learn more about some of the players. They do a really good job. If one's got to go, though, it's all their hard work. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm with Nobody you cares about that. Give me the entertainment. One's got to go. I'm imagining this one is specifically for BT from the 314. Nolan Gorman, Sunshine or Lollipops? Oh, boy. Um, That's going to be a tough decision. Nolan Gorman, Sunshine or Lollipops? I think Lollipops is going to have to go here uh, out of all of these. If you have Gorman and Sunshine, you're going to be fine. You got homers and a beautiful day. So um, I think that's where I'm going to go here. Not that I don't like lollipops, because we all know that I do, or golly pops, depends who you are. Uh, But I like them both, but I really feel like uh, Gorman. Gorman's going to surprise some people this year. One way or the other. So He's going not to as good as Sunshine, but better than Lollipops That's is what right. I'm hearing. Yeah, it's I like that. I like or that. At, or at the very least, as good as Close Sunshine. Enough. Ceiling is not sunshine, as good as Lollipops. Floors Lollipops. That's right. Yeah. Nolan Gorman in the middle. From the 314, one's got to go umpire official edition. The NFL, the NHL, the NBA, or Major League Baseball. What, what does that mean? So the officials, the umpires, the refs. We just get rid of them? You get rid of them from one sport. Boy. I took this as, as which ones are the worst. Yeah, maybe we can go that route. That makes more sense. Oh. I just thought you were taking them out of the game to make it more entertaining, so that, which is also I, that. That's exactly the line that I just started going down in my head. Like, what would I want to watch with no with officials? No officials. Like, they just go and do it. And the answer to me is NFL. Just go. That's you the number just one. Just watch. Play. Yeah, you go play, and we'll figure some stuff out, and we'll watch. You know the home. one that wouldn't change, which I guess if we're going to go down this path, I'll get rid of this one, the NBA. They'd, uh, they'd be fine. Yeah, they're not going to be brought It's not like the 90s where you're still going to be hip-checking and clotheslining people behind the net. They're still going to just three-point. Just who cares about the officials yeah, somebody, in that one? Somebody keeps score. What if we did it the way that we think that they wanted to? If you're, like, getting rid of the worst officials in somewhere, I'm going to go NHL. Oh, really? I'd go NBA, I think. I, they don't They don't truly call the game. <laughs> they don't. They carry the ball. They travel all the time. They don't call the game, and they don't call it's fouls against Euro the best step, players. It's a Euro step, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Euro needs, like, four steps, Euro apparently. Step. I think I'd go NHL, too. I, I despise the NHL officiating for how bad it's been, especially for how loose they get with the hooking calls or the the uh, roughing calls. So, yeah, we're going to get rid of that one. From the 314 on our One's Gotta Go, Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. One's Gotta Go, the Blues 2019 Cup, the 2011 World Series winner, or the Rams Super Bowl in 2000. Rams Super Bowl. Yep. Simple. Take that, Tanner. I don't care. I yeah, agree with like that. It never happened anyhow. Yeah. yeah. Don't even matter in this these parts. Well, it's real I, jerks. They left, they left St. Louis, so that's the one that's got to go. Plus, I was like, I don't know, four, no, about six we months when they won the Super Bowl. We don't have to keep doing that, okay? We don't have to keep talking six about how young you are, how old Bowl. we yeah. were. Don't care, man. I care more about the one they won last year. means more in my heart. Let me know when they get there again. So you're disgusting on so many levels. <laughs> From the 314, one's got to go school subject edition. Oh, this is be easy. English, yeah. math, uh-huh. history, 
Science. Math's got to go for me, dude. This might come as a shock, but anybody that's listened for the last decade, math ain't a strong point of mine. Actually, yesterday, uh, my wife uh, was doing something, and uh, I was in charge of, like, the kids' homework, and little man is doing, like, fractions and stuff. The and, like, worst. They act like, it's, it's not the fact that the fraction work was hard, but I feel like a lot of these kids' homework now, they ask questions where it's just like, why are you trying to confuse everybody? Like, yep. the question was something to, to the effect of, if, in fact, the current model weren't there, how would you explain what, what these fractions are? I go, dude, because they just are. He's like, should we ask mom? I go, we should ask mom. Like, we'll <laughs> ask mom. Mom's the engineer of the family, okay? Like, she's Mom's very, very the- smart when it comes to math. Uh, so math has got to go. What's your me. go-to subject then to help them with? Uh, English. Yeah. Um, like uh, anything. Basically, here's the thing for you. I'd much rather write you a 20-page paper on oh, anything see? than I would uh, do a sheet of math. Bill. I'm the polar oh, really? opposite of that. I mine, too. Mine would be English, and we've already got a couple of texts that Alex doesn't know how to form proper sentences. That's why English has got to go. I was awful at it. I don't know either, but I, I would much rather do that. Science uh, I, is fun. History is fun. Oh, science see, I hate fun. science. I, I've always I hate hated science. science. No, it was, it I was my worst subject. Because yeah, then it was math. I, I hated that. That's true. But I, science was all in. Oh, science was always my worst subject in school. I, I don't know why. I just didn't like it. Couldn't get into it. So science would be the one that's got to go for me. I would much rather do the math problems. I, I enjoyed doing math. I was good at math in school. So I math would be the subject that I would choose as like the favorite of the ones that were on that Nerd list. Alert. Nerd alert. And that's just jealousy saying that. That's not yeah. anything. But I, math actually would if, probably be the number one for me of keeping. If you're listening right now and you are good at math, just know this. I'm jealous of you. I wish I had it. I don't. And it's really like one of the, that's one of my things my wife always says. She's like, why, like, why is that a problem? Where was your cutoff for math? Like, where did it start to suck? Ah, second year of like algebra? Oh, okay. Like algebra two? Geometry for me was That makes sense to me. Geometry makes sense to me. It's pictures and angles. I can do all that. That was my cutoff. That's okay. Uh, but uh, for some reason, yeah, once we get into all of the imaginary numbers and God forbid calculus or pre-calc, like forget any of that. But my wife always said like, hey, like in math, like there is, there's an answer. Like it, she doesn't understand, like I like stuff that doesn't have an answer as much where it's like, oh, I can just take this whichever direction I want. Yeah. So she's, uh, she is the math person yes. then because you need a final answer for that. Yeah. Uh, one's got to go. Things to do out in Vegas, nightclub, gamble, golden Knights game. Or food. The nightclub can go for me at this That's point. That's where I was at, too. I, uh, oh. I've realized recently. We got some buzz kills in the room. No, we just got guys who like their... There's uh, so many other places you yeah. can go. I'd you rather know, sit at a casino and drop thousands of dollars and go to a nightclub. Yeah, look, if you're a, if you're a single gentleman, it's way easier to just sit outside the nightclub and gamble and wait till everybody comes to you. You know what I mean? So, and then you got a little extra scratch that you didn't spend a couple hundred dollars on a bottle or thousands of dollars, depending on which club you go to, for a, a thirty dollars <laughs> bottle time. of Tito's. Um, and I'm at the age now where at 40, you know, uh, where I don't like yelling at whoever I'm talking to. Bingo. Like, like, are you having fun? I said, are you having fun? No, I like this song. Uh-huh. I hate like it's at the end of it. You're like exhausted. Now, what is the point of that? What are you trying to accomplish? I know what you're trying club? to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, I know what I'm trying but to accomplish. You can accomplish too. that if you hit the jackpot on a, on a, uh, on a lottery. Sure can. On a uh, yeah, but I, slot I, machine. I, I think I have, and this is coming from the guy that's single. I think I've got better odds in the nightclub than winning the jackpot. Uh, what? Which nightclub? 
Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> it's not clear because you're dropping money on either of them. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, the one for me that's got to go would probably be the it's easy, the Vegas Golden Knights game. I don't, that's like the least attractive thing to go do in Vegas. You went to a Raiders game in Vegas and said yeah. that was awesome. Go to a Golden Knights game. Have you been to one of those BT yet? No. No? Sadly enough. No, and I heard it's incredible. A bunch of my buddies all have season tickets, yeah. and they, they go all the time. So I, I went in 2019 it. when we were broadcasting there for 101. I took a piece of uh, the the, uh, the the remote broadcast system and went and broadcast. That was an incredible uh, game day experience that they put on, so that's tough to get rid of there. Let's do this final one. One's got to go Ferrari 05 ideas. Uh, best case acquisitions for the Blues, what we don't miss about BK, ideas on how to get Tanner a date, or best streaming services. Oh Well, I know the answer. I mean, all four could honestly go, but the, the one that's got to go for sure is his dating ideas. It's terrible. I love, I you know what, I would say that's the one that has to stay. If there's anything, like more dating ideas for you. Like I, if, in fact, I worked with you every day, realize that that would be an everyday part of the show. It is. It would be some sort of a, a, a Tinder or something game that we would play with you. We try, but he doesn't take any of our advice. Why? Why not? This is terrible he doesn't trust advice. it. But yet both of us are married. Yeah, it kids. So no. they're obviously, I mean, doing something. When Ferrario says me, I don't think I could do dating nowadays. Oh, I couldn't do dating then nowadays. I, he ain't the guy to talk to. Well, that's because you got to do a lot of it on social media. and Yeah, see? Not like the that. guy to talk to. Yeah, you got to be careful what you put on social media, T-Bone. I don't know if anybody's told you that, but... Yeah. Just, uh, I, I've never posted anything bad. You can go check yourself at T-Bone 101 ESPN. Yeah. Look at that healthy plug right there. Look at him go. That's how we get dates. That's how you do it. Watch out for your DMs. T-Bone's coming in. That's right. <laughs> coming in hot. Tanner Hendrickson, Brad Thompson, I'm Alex Ferrario. That's our One's Gotta Go segment. We'll wrap things up with our rewind next year on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. on BK and Ferrario. As always, appreciate BT sitting in with us. You said you're in for the fast lane next week. Yeah, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. Maybe an hour on Monday. And then go. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, the following week as Two well. more weeks of Brad Thompson, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Love having it. Loved having you in studio with us uh, these last couple of days. And let's close it down where we started. And that's the... Uh, St. Louis Blues. Oh, we'll close it down like they did. Yeah. During the game. In the last two games. Before the game, you could argue. Marshall well, runs in like three periods, right? You know, we got the 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock hour. We would have been done at noon if we were the Blues. Okay. But you know what? Well, sometimes, though, sometimes shows go that way. And sometimes it's like, hey, that wasn't that wasn't the best. But it's not for lack of effort on this part sometimes. No, no. And that's the maddening part when you watch the Blues. You're like, are you, are you trying? Are you trying right now? And I like, I feel like to a man, like everybody's like, oh, I think I'm trying. But I wonder if like they ever go back, any of the individuals, go back and just like watch the game. Like get back home uh, and different on the road, obviously. Right. But replay broadcast oftentimes. You get home, you're sitting there, maybe you're having yourself a cold beer and you're watching the game. It's like, boy, that that's me. That's me right there. Those are the that? things that I'm doing. The, huh. the maddening part of this, this is by, uh, it's not a perfect roster. I'm pretty sure that we all know that by now. It doesn't help that you've had all the injuries that you have had. But they should be a better hockey club than they have played 
to this point. And that's the maddening part for the fan base, maddening part for your coaching staff, and certainly the maddening, maddening part if you are Doug Armstrong in this team's front office. You might not have built something perfect, but you built something that's better than what you've seen. And they're at the point now where you can't do this Well, they've got a big upcoming stretch that they could prove to Doug that this team is better than what they are, or O'Reilly could come back. And we have no update today about Robert Thomas. Craig Brewey is going to be with the fast lane at 215, so we'll see if he's got an update on Thomas, who left the game uh, yesterday. Uh, lower body injury, as they're going to call it. Twig and berries is what it probably looked like and did not return to that hockey game. Is that ice or heat? I, don't th- I think it might be both. Yeah. I think maybe the icy hot patch. Ice, heat, little stem. Would probably make that feel a little bit better. The patch? Yeah. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? Uh, no. It's like a Band-Aid, wouldn't it be? No, 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 no. The, 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 those things that end up having like that that hot stuff that just continues to be hot. I'd give, If we're going to go hot cold, all right, and I know I, I like you're going down the rookie of the year, the hot ice, like that ain't it. Uh, I would just go ice and then a heating pad, ice heating pad, if you're going to do something like that. So you're just going to go in and out, in and, and out. And deep tissue, right? Sometimes you got to stretch out the uh, uh, rub out. That's what you got the, massage therapist you really for, though, for the team. You really have to get all the bad uh, stuff out. Up there. Well, especially after getting hit by a puck. That's what I'm saying. Would only imagine. Again, There's a lot I don't of... know exactly where I caught him. I just know this. You uh, also take probably, care of your body. You also probably have to wait for the swelling to go down to figure out what the actual injury is. Yeah, maybe. Or and, take a picture. Like, yeah. it, whatever. Well, keep that internally, I would assume, amongst the team. Yeah, of course. But you're at the point now where this is it. There's 12 games, I think, between now and March 3rd on the trade deadline. Two. Of course, of course, only two. Oh, I thought you were asking me how many they win. <laughs> So the Arizona Coyotes method, where you win two of the next 13 games. You strike when you're hot, you know? This is now going to be Doug looking at the team and saying, let's see what this team can do, because we know what pieces are going away. Let's see what they can do now, because I have to evaluate this roster as a whole for the final 33 games of the season, rather than evaluate this roster that we thought was in a win-now mode. Yeah, you'd love to just see who, who wants it. Okay, so this year might not end up having that storybook ending. It might not go from beginning to end exactly what you expected. It might actually go more towards the national media had it right this year. Mm-hmm. As uh, we railed against many, uh, the ESPN, yeah, the Athletic, I whoever. Dom all the time. Of course, Dom, what's his last Lucizin. name? Lucision? Lucision. Spell it. Uh, L-U-C-Z. Let's throw a Z in there. Y. Another C. You're way closer than you should be, honestly, on this. Tom Lucision works for The Athletic. I hate read his articles a lot. L-U-C-Z-Y. Damn, that's five letters in. That's seven letters in. Y-N. Ah, see, I wouldn't have got the Y in. I thought there was more Z's in there. That's right. But Lucision. regardless, he's got a lot of Z's and Y's in his name, and, and he's got look, a lot of analytics I don't like. Maybe they pegged it, right? This this team is just kind of a outside-looking-in team this year. But to your point, I, I want to find out, what do I have? Like, who really wants this? Who wants to be a part of this going forward? And who can step up uh, in the meantime? Who can step up after the trade deadline? If you have some pieces that are gone, uh, that are pivotal pieces— what do you do with this opportunity? I've seen nothing but opportunity for the Blues this year. Unfortunately, you haven't seen guys step up and just grab it. And that's the leadership part of it, too, that you'll find out for the final 33 games. If you do trade Ryan O'Reilly and you do trade Vladimir Tarasenko and Barbashev and Achari and Mikola, you've got other guys that have to step into a leadership role. Can they take that? Can they run with it? And can they prove that this team's got the competitive juices going into uh, next season, which hopefully Doug's able to kind of spin things around for this 
this team and you get some assets at that trade deadline on March 3rd. Again, the Blues will be back in action on Saturday, tomorrow afternoon. Puck drop against Colorado out. Game two of this three-game road trip is at 2 o'clock. I've got the uh, pregame show with Joe Vitale starting at 1 o'clock, and then they'll wrap up that uh, road trip and going into the bye week on Monday when they take on the Winnipeg Jets. BT, appreciate the time you joining us this uh, last couple of days, buddy. Alex T-Bone had an absolute blast. Anytime. BK is going to be back on Monday, fresh off of Disney World, so we'll have plenty of Disney princess questions for him, and then I'll be going to Disney World on Tuesday. We'll be with you Sunday at the championship bash the fast lane is with you from centene community ice center as we mentioned craig baruby is going to be with them at 215 that's next here on 101 espm you've been listening to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn